Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Motor Racing Network Classics, presented by MRN. NASCAR Racing, next on MRN Radio. Speed Weeks 1991 is in high gear at the Daytona International Speedway. And this afternoon, 14 of NASCAR's top drivers are set for the 20-lap push clash. 50 miles of flat-out racing with $280,000 on the line. It's an event broken up into two 10-lap segments. The running order is inverted after the first 10 laps. Pole sitter Derek Cope, driver of the Purelator Chevrolet, knows how he'll approach this afternoon's race. As far as I'm concerned, there's two races. There's the first uh, segment and the second segment. And I'm going to go out and try and lead every lap, try and be up front, stay up front if I can, and win that first segment. And then uh, put us in the back and uh, try and come up as far as we can. And if we fall short, we fall short. The Bush Clash of 1991 and the ARCA 200 are next from Daytona Beach, Florida. MRN Radio presents NASCAR Today. Sponsored by Goody's Headache Powders and Extra Strength Tablets, the South's number one headache powder. Good afternoon, everyone, from Daytona International Speedway. Absolutely gorgeous weather, Eli Gold, here this afternoon, and it looks like a real strong crowd on hand for the real kickoff to Speed Weeks 1991. The Bush Clash cars lined up down on pit road. It's going to take us a, a little while here to get used to all these new color schemes. Not only have many of the cars changed their paint schemes, of course, they've got a lot of drivers in there that are in different cars than what we're used to seeing like last year. But one thing is for sure, the roar of those racing engines is like sweet music to the fans who have been searching for that roar since we left Atlanta Motor Speedway to wrap up the 1990 racing season. The 14 cars for today's 13th renewal of the Bush Class are now lined up side by side behind the brand new look pace car for 1991. It is a blue Pontiac Grand Prix GTP that will be pacing the field throughout speed weeks here at Daytona International Speedway. The drivers will be running 20 laps over the course of the Bush Clash today, but that 20 laps will be broken up into two 10-lap segments. But there is a key, because after 10 laps, 40% of the purse will be awarded at that point before they invert the field. That'll really change the whole strategy of this race. Actually, if there is such a thing as a strategy in 20 laps of racing, $280,000, the total purse. And as Eli pointed out, whoever wins that first segment, leading at the end of 10 laps, gets $25,000, drops down to 17,500 for second and 12,500 for third and so on down. And at the end of that 10 laps, they will invert the field. So that's really going to change things here in the Bush Clash. Craftsman in your hand, nothing you can't do. Like the lawn, Mickey John, or that kitchen add on. Craftsman in your hand. 
outdoor care to home and auto repair. Do it with Craftsman. Find the tools, equipment, and storage you need at your local Lowe's, Ace Hardware, or Craftsman.com. There will be a two-lap caution period between those two 10-lap segments. You do not have to make a stop. If you choose to, you may, obviously. But then the running order will be inverted, and then 10 more laps will be run. The winner of that last segment will get $35,000. So if the same driver happens to win both halves of the clash, he's looking at a payday of some $60,000 here today. But remember, caution laps are not counted. They never are during the running of the Bush Clash. We're just about three quarters of a lap away from getting the Bush Clash of 1991 underway. Let's take a quick swing around the 2.5 mile Daytona International Speedway to cover the action down on the west end of the racetrack over in turns one and two from WPEX Radio in Hampton, Virginia. Joe Moore. Barney, when the cars come to turn one, it's 31 degrees of banking. They really don't have to get out of the throttle at all. Just hold on. Bit windy down here today, so the cars do tend to get buffeted around just a bit. They hold on going through turns one and two and then set their sights for the drafting that takes place here on this back straight away. From Daytona Beach, Florida, to cover the action over in turn number three, Alan Bestwick. Drafting is the name of the game, Barney, down here. Who pairs up with who to try and get to the front and get all the cash? We'll be watching the guys at the back of the pack try and make their way up through the back straightaway. And in turns three and four, we have position Fred Armstrong of Portland, Oregon. After they draft down the back straightaway, they'll climb that 31-degree banking again, and this is where it's won or lost. If you've tried to make a move down the back straightaway, you can get hung out, hung out to dry here in turns three and four. Also, as you come off the corner here in four, it's a tough transition back from 31 degrees to flat again, back to the trioval. There are a number of rookies to Bush Clash competition here today. Kyle Petty and Brett Bodine, Derek Cope, Dick Trickle, Ernie Irvin. They have never been in the Clash. Dale Earnhardt is back in the Clash after a two-year absence, and we are looking now for the green to get the stock car portion of Speed Weeks underway. We are down to the line, and on the break, Derek Cope will take off all by himself. Leaves Kyle Petty back there, single file in second place. A lot of scrambling going on at the tail end of the field as they move to the west end of the racetrack and turn one. Derek Cope leads the way by two car lengths now over Kyle Petty. Directly behind him is a Jeff Bodine machine sitting fourth in line. The Dale Earnhardt car. The shuffle is three wide. Further back Mark Martin goes to the inside of Greg Sachs. Sachs is at the tail end of the field. Off two. They begin to short it out. Single file now as they come down the back straightaway for the first time. On the outside, Derek Cope leading Harry Gant or make that Kyle Petty down to the inside. Here comes the first drafting bid. Jeff Bodine and Dale Earnhardt are going to hook up and go for the front. Jeff Bodine takes it right down to the bottom of the racetrack. Uh, Dale Earnhardt will go along with him. Now Cope's hung out to dry on the top side of the racetrack. Bodine will lead off turn number four. Meanwhile, back in third position, the camouflage kid, Alan Kulwicki, and that car painted up in U.S. Army colors. The camouflage look. He'll move to the inside of Cope, grabbing third. Brett Bodine is there as well, grabbing fourth. Meanwhile, the battle is for the lead. Back to turn one. Earnhardt goes to the inside of the racetrack, grabbing the spot from Jeff Bodine. He shuffled to the outside. Here comes Kulwicki now at the bottom of the track. Kulwicki will grab the second spot, and Brett Bodine's on the move directly behind him. Double wide from second all the way back to the end of the pack. Now Earnhardt, the only car running single file. He's at the head of the field. Jeff Bodine manages to hold on to second. Derek Cope is third. The battle is for fourth. Alan Kulwicki, Ernie Urban, and Rusty Wallace. Three wide. Three wide, and they hit the corner. It's going to be Ernie Urban down low. Kulwicki drifts up the banking a bit. Earnhardt digs right down to the bottom of the racetrack. He'll lead by a car length off turn four. And that pack of traffic from fifth place on back really got shuffled over in turns three and four that time. The leader is Earnhardt. He'll be hard to catch. 
Stretch. Jeff Ryan right second. Derek Cope is third. Fourth is Rusty Wallace. The real scramble in the hot battle is going on for fifth place. They're back in one. Ernie Irvin's there trying to hold off Kenny Schrader. Directly behind him, they're stacked up double wide. Kulwicki and Bill Elliott side by side. Then comes Kyle Petty and Ricky Rudd. Those two cars as well, side by side. Meanwhile, the battle for third up front. Rusty Wallace is on the move. Wallace will drop the Pontiac down to the inside and try and get around Derek Cope. Meanwhile, Ernie Irvin wants to go down underneath Wallace. Wallace will fall in line behind Cope, but Irvin is going to fall out in front of Cope, and he'll take third. Two by two for third. Now Irvin will get the advantage. Derek Cope up high on the banking. Irvin drops down low. Dale Earnhardt continues to lead Jeff Bodine off the corner. Kyle Petty's car drifted back just a bit further. He's now back in the 12th position, as we'll have seven laps remaining in this first segment of the Bush Clash. Remember, though, the winner of this segment, though, taking home $25,000, will start last in the second half of the Clash as Earnhardt leads them back to turn one. Jeff Bodine still sits in the second spot. Ernie Irvin now rides third. Fourth is a Ken Schrader car. Fifth is a side-by-side battle. Bill Elliott there with a Derek Coke machine on the outside of him. Schrader and Elliott having come from all the way towards the back of the field. Now Schrader all the way up to fourth. Elliott's going to take a stab at fifth. Drops down to the inside of Derek Cope. No drafting help. Cope has picked up a draft from Rusty Wallace, and that'll be the battle in three. Elliott right down to the bottom of the racetrack. Cope gubs up the banking just a bit. Now Elliott begins to pack in with the front four. Coming off the corner, it's still Earnhardt, Bodine, and Irvin. Car that is really having some problems getting it dialed in in this early going of the Bush Clash is Kyle Petty. He started second. Now he's all the way back to about 12th position as they work back into turn number one. Meanwhile, at the very tail end of the field are Greg Sachs and Dick Trickle. Field goes back to two. Up front, the battle now for the second spot. Ernie Irvin is going to work on Jeff Bodine, letting Earnhardt get away now by about five car lengths. The second place battle, though, Irvin gets a nose out in front, but Bodine battles back. And as they work down the back straightaway, they begin to close the gap again on Earnhardt now with everyone having a double wide draft on the inside line. Irvin's at the head of the pack. Jeff Bodine is on the outside. Still the double wide battle for second. Two by two by two as they hit the corner. Bodine will slide up the banking a bit. Down low is Ernie Irvin. Right behind is a Ken Schrader car. Dale Earnhardt will lose about a car length as everybody doubles up as they come off the corner. Rusty Wallace back in the ninth position. He's running alongside the Alan Kulwicki machine. Had been alongside Brett Bodine at the stripe. The field heads back into turn number one. Dale Earnhardt leads this event, but cars are doubled up right behind him, then two machines lagging about a quarter mile behind. Usually when the cars race side by side, the guy in front can get away, but it's not happening here as Earnhardt is just about a car length now in front of Jeff Bodine. Bodine now breaks out to the high side. Irvin falls back, but now pulls back alongside Bodine. And they'll shuffle it up in the middle of the pack as Derek Cope has trouble getting off of turn number two. Down to the inside, coming by him. Mark Martin is by. Kyle Petty is by. Ricky Rudd is by. And Rusty Wallace is by Derek Cope. Good battle for third as Ken Schrader gets around the Jeff Bodine machine. Now Bodine is going to have to battle it out with Elliott. Elliott digs down low. He'll grab the fourth spot away. Nothing has really changed at Daytona since we were here in July. If you get hung out of that draft, if you don't have somebody to run with, you're going to lose three, four, five spots. Earnhardt still at the front of the pack. He has won three of the Bush Clashes here before. He takes them back to turn one. Ernie Irvin still sits in the second spot. Looks like he may try to make a move down to the inside, but Earnhardt sees him coming along there, so he puts his car right at the bottom of the racetrack. Now Irvin drifts up a little bit. Elliott eyes that spot down to the inside, but he's got company on the outside of him is Kenny Schrader. Double wide now, this racing for the third position, still on the outside. Ken Schrader holding that line while Bill Elliott is down to the inside. Mark Martin will line up behind Bill Elliott. The two Fords will try and get by the Chevrolet. Elliott takes it down to the bottom of the racetrack, right behind is a Mark Martin machine. Way up high now goes Ken Schrader, and Jeff Bodine will choose to dance with him on the top side of the racetrack. Field comes back towards the stripe. They will have three laps to go on this first segment, and one question at this point, Barney, is when do you decide that, hey, I'm not going to get to the front 
over the course of the next three laps and maybe start to set yourself up for a better starting position when they invert the field. I'm going to say in the next two laps they'll make up their mind. Obviously the two cars that are trailing along there at the tail end of the field right now certainly not up to par to even get up there and run in that 12 car draft. So it looks like those two may be on the front row but the rest of the field pretty much in doubt right now as they sweep down the back stretch. Earnhardt takes them over to three. Three Chevrolets at the head of the class. Earnhardt, Irvin and Schrader. A couple of car lengths back. Two Fords running in line. Bodine and Elliott. It's about three car lengths back to Bodine but Bodine begins to draw up on the leaders now. It's all single file as everybody digs down to the bottom of the racetrack. Earnhardt leads. The NASCAR season is here and Toyota Racing is looking for clashers. Did you clash at the Coliseum with your favorite Toyota drivers? Clashing with the HOA who won't let you carve bell number 20 into your lawn. Or maybe your Tyler Reddick shirt clashed with your pants while meeting the in-laws. If you're a clasher, then we want you. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing Inc. As they come off the stripe, it'll be two laps to go this time by Doyle Ford atop the flag stand looking on. It is Earnhardt now with Ernie Irvin and the man on the move is Jeff Bodine. He'll find the inside groove to his liking. He'll sneak to the inside of Kenny Schrader holding on to third and shooting for second in turn one. You can see the front end of that Ford really getting out in front of Kenny Schrader for a moment there but Schrader now reels him back in bypasses Jeff Bodine and Bodine drops to the inside of the track. Now it'll be challenged by Bill Elliott. Elliott will look now and try and pick up that spot. Bodine hung out right now with no dancing partner Ricky Rudd lines up behind Elliott. They're both going to go around the Budweiser Ford. Bodine will slip back to sixth. Jeff Bodine drops back in line, and it's back to all single file up front. Kyle Petty trying to make a move around Mark Martin. That's back for the sixth position. Petty down low. Martin up high as they come off the corner. Right down to the bottom of the racetrack, Kyle Petty seems to have his car working a whole lot better than he did earlier this afternoon, but it's still not up to par to run door to door. Earnhardt across the line. One more lap, and the big money will be collected as he takes them back to the corner. And Eli from 10th back through 14th the pay is the same in this first segment $4,000 so the guys back there could afford to drop back a little bit and get a better starting spot in the second half they're back in two Earnhardt leads the way Irvin sits in the second spot all single file Kenny Schrader is third fourth is Elliott the challenge now mounting for fifth Jeff Bodine will look to the inside of Ricky Rudd as they come down the back straight away meanwhile Earnhardt wagging back and forth on the stretch trying to keep Irvin from getting a draft on him Earnhardt will hold the lead the battle for fifth continues Jeff Bodine takes it down to the bottom of the racetrack it's uh, it's the Ricky Rudd machine up high right behind is Mark Martin and Ernie Irvin begins to work on Dale Earnhardt as they come off turn four. They're running for 25,000 and one car is out of control. And it's Jeff Bodine who spins two, three times towards the inside. He is okay. Earnhardt leads at halfway, takes home $25,000. Jeff Bodine's car, after spinning on its wheels about eight or nine times, comes to a stop for a second in the infield grass. And now Jeff comes across to take the halfway portion of the Bush Clash. Elmo Langley in the pace car uh, picks up the field now coming out of turn number two so Jeff Bodine will cut right across the infield trioval grass and head to the attention of the Junior Johnson crew as we go under caution for two laps here while the field is inverted and the way they came across the line Earnhardt would have been in front Ernie Irvin was second Kenny Schrader was third Bill Elliott was fourth and fifth as they completed that first 10-lap segment would have been Ricky Rudd. The first segment of the Bush Clash is over and just about all the cars, in fact, they all are on pit road. They're just getting the cars checked over, so Earnhardt will collect $25,000 for leading the first 10 laps, and we'll talk more about what's happening on pit road when we come back. From the Daytona International Speedway, this is MRN Radio. MRN Radio presents the NASCAR Winston Cup Series. 
today, the Bush Clash. Alongside Barney Hall, I'm Eli Gold. The entire MRN crew with you here at the World Center of Racing for live coverage of the Bush Clash of 1991. We are halfway through. They have inverted the field, and we will be going back to green here shortly. Meanwhile, everybody chose to make pit stops as expected. Our three-member pit crew coverage today is from Dick Brooks, Jim Phillips, and Winston Kelly. Dick, let's get reports from you first. Well, I'm standing in uh, in the Ginger Johnson's uh, uh, crew area here. They just brought Jeff in, or he came in across the grass. In fact, he's messed up this pretty grass they got out here. Talking to Tim Brewer. Tim, what happened? Well, you know, the, the car was loose, and uh, Mark and he got to racing down there. And, you know, there's certain areas, you know, when you just stick the nose up under another car, it just gets the car loose, Brooks. And, uh, and we were loose anyway, and he just turned him around. I mean, you know, no big deal, but at least we get you pretty good opportunity on this next little outing right here starting up front maybe we can stay up there for a little while well he knows one thing that nobody else out there knows how good it goes backwards right well he came down through there spinning like a top you know we're just lucky he didn't hit anything so uh we'll just try it again that's true it came by about two laps before that and uh got real real close to carnes he came off the trial but he got a little bit loose in and i just kind of went "Ooh, you're gonna have trouble on the last one and sure enough he did he got out from under him let's check in with jim phillips and we're with richard childress richard you Won the first segment. Is that was that the plan before you went in, or was the race dictate how you ran that race? Part of it. No, uh, we were just going to go as hard as we could. That's the way we run every race, and that's you know we just figured we'd do it like this. And if we lost uh, at the end, you know, coming from the rear, it's just one of those deals. We give it our best. Looks like you got some pretty good drafting help back there, starting on the rear though this time. Yeah, Kenny and those guys come up pretty quick, so you know we just have to see. That's car owner Richard Childers for Dale Earnhardt, who won the first segment of the Bush Clash of 91. Let's check in with Winston Kelly. The story on this end of pit road, Eli, was Ernie Irvin came in a little bit hot, got past his pit area. Then the crew put a spacer in to the right front of the uh, automobile. They put a spacer between the spring to change the handling on the car. So Ernie Irvin now will start alongside Dale Earnhardt as we go back to the second half of the Bush Clash. So Dale Earnhardt wins the first segment, picks up $25,000. Ernie Irvin finishes second, collects $17,500, $12,500 for third-place finisher Kenny Schrader. The field is lined up and ready to go in the second half of the Bush Clash here this afternoon. Now Jeff Bodine is on the pole. Greg Sachs starts uh, number two spot. Dick Trickle third. Rusty Wallace fourth. Alan Kowicki fifth. Sixth, Derek Cope seventh. Brett Bodine eighth. Kyle Petty ninth. Mark Martin. Ricky Rudd is tenth. Eleventh will be Bill Elliott. Twelfth, Kenny Schrader. Thirteenth, Ernie Irvin. And fourteenth, Dale Earnhardt. Field now bunching up in front of Fred Armstrong in turn number four, looking for the restart. Lights are out on the Pontiac pace car, and they're set to go. And, of course, uh, moments ago when Bodine spun, that's that transition we were talking about a little while ago. When you come off this 31-degree banking, you got to go back to flat. It's just a little bit bumpy here. If you're going to get out of shape, this is the place it's going to happen. Pontiac pace car about to pull onto pit road. Now, Jeff Bodine made a pit stop. They did check the car over. Took that long spin down through the dogleg here at Daytona, but apparently feels like he's all right as they come down. We are under green at the second half of the Bush Clash. On the break, Bodine's going to get away by half a car length. Sachs tries to stay with him. Still door-to-door. The whole 14-car field shuffling off into turn number one, and no one has pulled out to make a move yet. Greg Sachs still rides along on the outside of the Jeff Bodine car. Actually shows the fender out in front of Bodine as they go into turn number one. The cars directly behind them are right up on their bumpers now. Dick Trickle sits behind Bodine. Rusty Wallace on the outside of the racetrack directly behind Greg Sachs. Quite a formation as they come down ever so tightly bunched on the back straightaway. Now we're beginning to see some breaking of ranks. Down to the inside, Bill Elliott will look underneath the Mark Martin car at the end of the back straightaway. No drafting help. He'll have to fall back. 
Three wide for Elliott as he takes it right down to the bottom of the racetrack. That'll force Schrader way up high. It's still side-by-side side for the lead up front. Bodine down low. Up high is Greg Sachs. One of the best maneuvers might have been Dale Earnhardt on the start. He lagged behind about seven or eight car lengths and then came up to speed at his own pace. He kind of got a jump or a running start, if you will, and he's now already picked up five positions. Now he's picked up seven, and he's cutting through the inside, going towards position number four. Earnhardt works to the inside of Kyle Petty, bypasses that car, now makes it three wide to the bottom of the racetrack, getting around Alan Kulwicki and Derek Cope. Here comes Earnhardt now to the inside of the second row. Now he's going to try and go after second and third on the back straightaway. Earnhardt all the way down to the very bottom groove of the back straightaway. He'll move now back up towards the middle of the racetrack, bypasses second and third, now going for the lead. Jeff Bodine, dead center of the racetrack, and Dale Earnhardt takes the lead. Coming along with him is going to be Mark Martin. Greg Sachs forced way up high on the banking. Already, Dale Earnhardt begins to break away. Just absolutely hard to believe that Dale Earnhardt. Trouble out of turn number four. One car is slammed into the wall. Ricky Rudd is spinning down the front straightaway. Derek Cope's machine has been tagged. It will spin a 1,000 feet. A couple of more cars are damaged. Kenny Schrader has some damage to his car, and the yellow flag is being displayed. Three cars getting pretty substantial damage coming just off turn number four. Let's go up, back up to turn four. Just coming off the corner, a couple of cars got together. There was some two and three wide racing going on down here. Once again, coming off this corner, it's a weird transition. It's a bumpy one. You can get just a little bit lightweight with the automobile as it comes off the corner, and that's what happened this time. And a couple of cars started to spin, and it just uh, set off a chain reaction at the back part of the field. Now, Ricky Rudd has pulled the Tide Chevrolet to pit road immediately. Derek Cope will not be nearly as lucky with the mangled Purolator Chevrolet. In the case of Derek Cope, though, we're reminded that this is a Bush Clash-only car for him. It is not the one they plan to run during the remainder of the week in the Gatorade Twin 125s or in the Daytona 500 by STP. We can see uh, Derek Cope now talking with the uh, safety crew members. Ken Schrader's car also with a good bit of damage to the right front of the uh, Kodiak Chevrolet. But let's check in with the Ricky Rudd pit crew as they work on the Tide Chevrolet. Well, they won't allow them to work on it until the pit road's closed, so they've got uh, the tires and the jack and stuff out there, and they got the car jacked up, but they can't do any work on it until they get uh, the cars get around and they close pit road. So they're just sitting trying to assess what they've got done. The car from the driver's side looks pretty good shape. The car from the uh, the other side's got some damage on it, but it's probably uh, pretty salvageable if they could just uh, go to work on it. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Here for Ryan Blaney, four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak. Derek Cope has climbed out of his car under his own power and apparently is all right after taking a pretty substantial long 12 or 1500 foot spin just out of turn number four. And they are going to ask the cr- drivers to bring their race cars now down pit road and continue back out onto the racetrack at the exit of uh, the pit road area. That would prevent them from going through the debris that has been strewn here through the trioval area. So the drivers will bring their cars down the pit lane and just continue on through and rejoin the racetrack at the exit of the pit road as we are under caution. Work being done on the Tide Chevrolet, but I don't know if there's going to be that much success on Kenny Schrader's car, Dick Brooks. Kenny's sitting here on the wall. He got a good chance to look it over. Kenny, first of all, what did you see? that happened. I was just uh, all up there in the group. Derek got loose and we were up on the outside of him had the front end stuck in there. So, you know, you get loose there and, that, you know, stuff's going to pile up pretty quick behind you. You okay though? Yeah, we're fine. I don't think it killed the car. It just uh, 
and needs a couple new sides. You're going to take this. Is this the car you're going to run next week, or are you going to get another one? This is the car we're planning on running all the way through. I'm not, just glancing at it, I don't think it's too bad, but we'll just have to see. Okay, well, he's uh, a bit dejected, as you might well plan. Uh, $50,000 gone away, but uh, <laughs> he's okay, and the car's not killed yet. Well, he picked up a pretty good payday in that first segment of the race, some $25,000 for finishing second in the first 10 laps of the Bush Clash. That long walk back to the garage area has begun for Ricky Rudd. Jim Phillips is alongside him. Ricky, what did you see happen in front of you out there? Well, it happened behind me, uh, Jim. Uh, really don't know. I was up on the outside groove picking up some cars, and uh, somebody hit me in the left. Somebody hit me in the left rear quarter panel. I don't know exactly what happened, but it spun me around, turned me around, and just the biggest thing, it wiped their car out for the 500. That's the that's the saddest thing about it. Was that a strategy race uh, the way they said it was going to be? Did you just uh, try to bide your time in the first segment and try to figure out what the car was going to do? Well, I started 14th and got all the way up to 5th, and I, I told myself I was going to lay back, but the, the old car was handling so good, I just wanted to see what it would do. And, uh, you know, I was going to try to get to the front in both races, and uh, I was really going to pick the pace up in the second half, the, in the second segment. Uh, we had a good race car. We didn't get a chance to show it. That's Ricky Rudd. He won't finish the Bush Clash this afternoon. An interesting mix of strategy. Uh, we hear two fellows, Kenny Schrader and Ricky Rudd, who were using their full Speed Week cars here today. And Derek Cope on NASCAR Live last Tuesday said that the Whitcomb team had for themselves a Bush Clash-only car. So uh, in this instance, uh, that type of strategy evidently pays off for Derek Cope as they have another primary car ready to go. And Eli, we are with Derek Cope, who's walked out of the infield care center. He's obviously okay. Derek, what happened out there? Well, no, we were just, you know, running along in awful tight quarters, and, uh, you know, somebody got underneath me, I think it was Kowicki, and then uh, I looked in my mirror, and I thought I saw a Schrader go to the outside of me, and, and I had Rudd right in front of me, and I was just trying to, you know, to stay, you know, without hitting anybody there, and I tried to pinch the car off, and the car was just sliding up there, and, you know, I just, uh, you know, couldn't, I just got in the back of Ricky there, and it's my fault, you know, just nothing I could do, uh, you know, I just, sorry we tore everything up, but it's just awful tight racing out there. Derek, was it a surprise to you that Dale Earnhardt was able to come from the back to the front in less than two laps? Many didn't think that, that could happen in restrictor plate racing. Well, you know, he just made a move there on the bottom side of the racetrack. You know, we were all pinned in behind sacks. You know, we were all out of the gas. We were on the brakes trying to, to get somebody to break, move, or do something so everybody could string out. But, you know, those two front cars were just tight right there, and uh, we were all back together. Then all of a sudden, uh, you know, uh, Dale went down the bottom side, opened a hole, and everybody's trying to shift back there and cut, get in a hole. And, you know, it's just everybody's dice and trying to find a hole and some, some sanity. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, everybody's on one hip and one's on the other hip. And next thing you know, you're in the back of somebody else. It's just, it's just a difficult race. Good luck next week. Derek. Thank you. The defending Daytona 500 champion Derek Cope is out of the Bush Clash, but he'll be back strong next weekend. And already there are a number of candidates for the Goodies Headache Award. The members of the media will be voting that. $1,000 going to the winner of the Goodies Headache Award today. The driver who suffers the hardest luck during the running of the Bush Clash. And, of course, the MRN crew will vote the Peak Performance Cool Move of the Race Award to the driver, crew chief, or the entire team making a particularly cool move throughout today's running. And we've got $500 on the line from Peak Antifreeze and Summer Coolant for that. So uh, some clear-cut nominees, I think, already coming to the forefront for both of those awards. Well, that's for sure. We also have coverage of the ARCA 200 coming up for you in just a bit here on MRN. That's going to be an interesting race with the veteran Red Farmer up near the front with a team car, Dorsey Schrader on the pole. You've got Jimmy Horton running well. Uh, ben Hess is near the front of the field. That will be upcoming a bit later on.
on this afternoon. We are still under caution here at Daytona. Twelve laps are complete in the Bush Clash. As we mentioned at the outset of the program, uh, these caution laps do not count during the running of the Bush Clash. You have 20 green flag laps to determine this event's champion. Everybody approaches the Bush Clash a whole lot different. Uh, everybody has different ideas about what they want to learn in it, what they want to do, whether they want to win it, or just sort the car out for the Daytona 500 by STP. I asked Mark Martin yesterday about, you know, what do you try to do? Do you kind of learn something about the cars and the competition or what? Well, you really can, Barney, and it, it helps give you a baseline of what you're going to need for drafting for the 125-miler, whether you run that particular car or not. It, uh, you know, it is a warm-up, and it's a, it's, a, it's a paid practice session for the 125-miler, the way I look at it, and, and uh, you can't beat that. That's not a bad way to look at it. It, really it is isn't. a paid practice session with good money. And remember how many years they used to look at the twin races on Thursday as just uh, something to go through to get to the 500. Now the Gatorade Twin 125s themselves carry such a huge payday that uh, it's no longer just another tune-up to establish the starting field. There's a lot of money on the line here. And, of course, MRN will be on the air with you on Thursday. We've got uh, coverage of the Gatorade Twin 125s. Then Saturday the Goodies 300 for the Bush Grand National Cars, and one week from today, the Daytona 500 by STP are broadcast each and every afternoon at 12 noon from here at Daytona International Speedway. Well, the field now bunching up two by two behind the Pontiac Grand Prix GTP. That's the new look pace car for 1991. They're nearing Fred Armstrong in turns three and four as we look for the green flag here in just moments. The lights are out on that pace car. That means it's going to be down to the green flag and down to the inside of the racetrack is going to be the black intimidator, Dale Earnhardt. On the high side of the racetrack is Mark Martin. They're ready to go. I tell you, Earnhardt just took your breath on that start a moment ago and then going through turns one and two down there. And you can see why they do so much work on getting that car to handle just from the maneuver he put on here to get himself back up in the lead. He went right to the bottom of the racetrack. The car stuck there. Of course, he's got some horsepower, but he's able to make it work with him by having the car handle like it did. And in, in making it do that, he now is in the lead. We're back in the green. Earnhardt on the break will get away from Mark Martin, puts it single file among the front three. The scramble is from fourth place on back as 11 cars head for turn one. Kyle Petty works down to the inside of Greg Sachs. That's the battle for the fourth position. Entering the battle now will be Ernie Irvin. He tried to sneak down underneath Kyle Petty, but was not able to do it. So the battle continues for fourth while the front three cars get away in single file. Earnhardt and Mark Martin look like they want to break away and settle this among themselves. They've put a good 12 car lengths already on third place Jeff Bodine. And Bodine is now trying to defend third place from a challenge from Rusty Wallace. Wallace looks to the inside, now falls back to the outside, and then goes back single file. Kyle Petty also on the move as he takes his car down to the bottom of the racetrack. Greg Sachs up high. Petty will take the spot away from Sachs as they come off the corner. Kyle just looking for a comfortable spot in which to run here at this juncture of the event. The front two cars come across the stripe. 13 laps on the board now. Earnhardt leads Martin, then Jeff Bodine, Rusty Wallace, and the new look, the blue and white colors for Bill Elliott. His Ford is in fifth. Single file once again, back into turn number one, only side-by-side racing, back for about the eighth position. That's where Alan Kowicki works to the inside of Greg Sachs. Front seven cars, all single file. Earnhardt and Martin are trying to get away from the rest of the pack. Meanwhile, third, fourth, and fifth look like they've understood that if they race side-by-side, Earnhardt and Martin are going to get away. Right now, Bodine, Wallace, and Elliott all running single file, and they are catching the front two in turn three. Things beginning to tighten up for the top five cars. Everybody down to the inside of the racetrack and all single file. Dale Earnhardt with just about a half a car length on Mark 
Martin. Five cars tuck in single file, and now they're putting some daylight on the rest of the field. Meanwhile, back at the tail end of this 11-car contingent as they work to the line, four cars riding along door-to-door, and they are losing a lot of ground to the front machines as they work back to turn number one single file. Five-car freight train going back up to 31-degree banking of turn number one. No one daring to step out of line. Earnhardt leads the way. Mark Martin directly behind him. Then it's Bodine. Rusty Wallace behind Bodine. He peeks to the inside, but quickly gets back in line. And Bill Elliott running along in the fifth position. Then a good 10 car lengths back to Kyle Petty in sixth and Ernie Irvin in seventh. Then a long ways back to those final four cars. They've now moved out single file with Greg Sachs leading that group. Kyle Petty trying to break away from Ernie Irvin. Those two cars running all by themselves. Now Kyle Petty pretty much by himself between the front five and the Ernie Irvin car. As they come through the trioval area, lap number 15 goes up on the board. Earnhardt, Mark Martin, Jeff Bodine, Rusty Wallace, and Bill Elliott. Closing a bit now are Kyle Petty and Ernie Irvin with Greg Sachs, Alan Kulwicki, Brett Bodine, and Jeff Bodine showing the way as the field heads back into turn number one. There's about four, a little less than four laps remaining in the Bush class here this afternoon. Five cars tucked in nose to tail in the lead draft heading for turn four. And they're all single file down to the inside of the racetrack. Dale Earnhardt still holding off a charging Mark Martin. Mark Martin was not looking inside or outside. He's just following the tire tracks of Earnhardt. Jeff Bodine third. Rusty Wallace fourth. Bill Elliott fifth. Kyle Petty sixth. Ernie Irvin dropping back a bit in seventh. Eighth is Greg Sachs. Alan Kowicki ninth. And the next battle is side by side, or at least it was for a moment. But now Brett Bodine throws the nose of his Buick ahead of Dick Trickle's Pontiac. The leaders are off turn two. And moving down the back straightaway again, those front five cars all bumper to bumper, running single file. Earnhardt begins to snake once again down to the inside of the straightaway, trying to shake the draft just a little bit on Martin, but they're following right at his tire tracks now into turn three. Jeff Bodine drifts off just a little bit from Mark Martin. Bodine's still looking just a little loose in the corner, and right now he begins to drift up the banking. Rusty Wallace looks to the inside to take advantage. I think it's going to make it so hard to knock Earnhardt off the lead here is the fact that that car is sticking so well in the corners. You can't get around him in the straightaway because the car is just too strong, and if you get uh, put a move on him going into the corner, the car will go anywhere he wants it, and he can block you so easily. Single file, they're back to turn one. And Earnhardt puts the car right down at the bottom of the racetrack, so there's no more room, even if you could go to the bottom. You couldn't get underneath him. He still leads the way over Martin. Here's Rusty Wallace. Again, the battle mounts for third. Wallace sees that Bodine is not handling well and is not going to help him get around those front two, so now he's going to try and go by with Bill Elliott and Kyle Petty in tow. Move Wallace to third, Elliott to fourth, Petty to fifth, and Bodine to sixth. Jeff Bodine trying to drop back in line. He's not able to hook up to the backside of Kyle Petty. Kyle Petty takes it up high on the banking in the battle with Bill Elliott as they come off turn four. Well, if anybody's got anything left, now's the time to show it. They are coming to the white flag here at Daytona, snaking through the trioval area. Martin looked to the inside of Earnhardt. Dale shut the door on him. And with one lap remaining as the white flag flies, they go off into turn number one. Single file for this one last time. The black and silver colors of the Goodrich Chevrolet once again leading the way right down at the bottom of the track. Martin has no chance to get around here in turn two. Rusty Wallace sits in third. Then it's Elliott, Kyle Petty, and Jeff Bodine. Chevy, Ford, and Pontiac in the top three. Earnhardt weaves to the inside of the backstretch. Now weaves to the outside. Martin still a car length off his back bumper. They head to turn three for the final time. Last time for Mark Martin to make a move. Also, Rusty Wallace is there trying to make a move, but everybody sticks down to the low side of the racetrack. Dale Earnhardt leads the field off turn four down to the checkered flag. Earnhardt just pinned it right to the bottom of the racetrack. Did not give any room at all. Here he comes down to the line. Earnhardt is going to win the Bush Clash. Everybody stays in single file. Mark Martin will finish second. Third, 
goes to Rusty Wallace and fourth to Bill Elliott. As they work back to turn number one, looks like Kyle Petty will finish fifth. And here comes that four cars at the end of the field. Alan Kowicki will lead that battle ahead of Brett Bodine, Greg Sachs, and Dick Trickle as they finish in positions 7, 8, 9, and 10. Mark Martin really had no chance there coming through the trioval. Earnhardt held a car length and a half advantage and really allowed Mark Martin to get no closer than that. So the Bush Clash of 1991 is in the book. This was the sixth time that Dale Earnhardt has appeared in the Bush Clash and the fourth time he has won. He will take home $60,000 more here today. So total money's earned for the Bush Clash over the years for Dale Earnhardt, some $283,000 dating back to his first appearance in this event. All the Bush Clash cars have pulled back onto pit road, and Dale Earnhardt is headed down to Victory Lane after an awesome run here this afternoon. And I don't think there's any question that he has served notice that he is going to be tougher than ever in the Daytona 500 by STP. Of course, we all remember the uh, circumstances of a year ago during the 500 and how everything falls into place later in the year in the Pepsi 400. Dale Earnhardt running well here at Daytona. Not really a surprise, but how well the car worked again today. You know, we've talked about it. Yeah. You mentioned it a bit ago, Barney. They worked so hard on the handling of that race car while others might be searching for the extra speed. The Richard Childress, Dale Earnhardt team work on handling and it paid off today. Dick Brooks is in victory lane. Well, I sure am and I got a happy man here, I guess. It's just uh, four out of six, boy. He can't do much better than that. Well, thank the good Lord for a safe race. These guys uh, really did a good job on the GM Goodrich Chevrolet and uh, Western Steer and Mack. We have to have them along this year carrying the victory lane for the first race. We're excited about it this year. Uh, you know, getting back in the Bush Clash was one of our goals last year, and we got in there, and then we won all the polls, too. So, you know, we're really happy, uh, you know, to be there and to be in victory lane. The guys worked hard, like I said. I was really having a good time out there. Everybody did a great job on, you know, uh, racing. And, uh, you know, we want to tell the troops over in uh, the, the Persian Gulf that we're all behind them. Then good luck over there and hope to get back home safe. Dale, I think every race driver in the world, has just set up, you know, you, you go to bed at night and you drink about doing something. And you get up in the morning and you think about doing something like you did the first or second lap of that restart. That's got to be some kind of move. I've seen you when you pull down in the, in the trioval here underneath and just got a shot. Now, people that don't understand a slingshot or, uh, or get momentum going is, is something, but that's got to be some kind of excitement. Well, it is. Uh, the, you know, the car just really works good down on the bottom, and it works real, real well with any air around it. And uh, we caught a little breath of air off of the cars on the start, and, I, I, you know, I got up in the second lane, and I got down in three and four, and I moved down to the bottom lane when I seen the opening there behind Brent. And the car was just catching up on the other cars with the wind so good, and, I, you know, I drafted under uh, Brent through the trial, and the car was on the bottom then, so I just stayed on the bottom through the corner, and that thing really came around there, and Bodine drafted him down the back straightaway. It was unbelievable that we could do that. I really had a lot of questions in my mind about doing that, whether we could come back to the front in the four, uh, 10 laps, and, uh, you know, we said we was going to go for it. We'll go for broke, so the guys did a good job. Well, they sure did. I tell you, it's uh, thinking back over my time and what have you in, in racing. I won Talladega one time. I started about 25th or something like that, and the 10th lap, I was running second, and I did the same thing. When you pass all those cars... It's a rush that you can't imagine, and I know it was the same way with him in those uh, two or three laps. Everybody here is happy. Back to you, Eli. 
right, Dick Brooks, thank you very much. The members of the media covering the Bush clash today have voted Ricky Rudd the Goodies Headache Award. No argument there. $1,000 going to Ricky Rudd as the folks at Goodies Manufacturing have increased their involvement in the weekly Goodies Headache Award. There is also, again this year, a $250 donation to the Brenner Children's Hospital in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. That's something we say each and every week, Barney, but uh, I've visited the hospital. I know you were there for a function uh, just a few weeks ago. Those dollars add up, and the Brenner Children's Hospital in Winston-Salem is quite a facility. It really is, and the folks in that community are very proud of it, and it does an awful lot of good. Let's take you down through the rundown. We'll give you some of the money figures a little bit later. Earnhardt winning both segments of the Bush Clash for 1991, $60,000 richer already here at Daytona. Mark Martin finishes second, Rusty Wallace third overall, Bill Elliott fourth, Kyle Petty fifth, Jeff Bodine sixth, Ernie Irvin seventh, Alan Kowicki eighth, Brett Bodine ninth, Greg Sachs tenth, Dick Trickle eleventh, and three cars that come in on 12th, 13th, and 14th, Kenny Schrader, Ricky Rudd, and Derek Cope went out in an accident in the first segment here this afternoon, so they were not running at the end. And while uh, Dick Brooks and Dale Earnhardt were talking in Victory Lane, Barney and I were discussing the Have a Tampa and Philly Cigar Close But No Cigar Award. Those folks back on board with us again here in 1991. And we thought about Jeff Bodine, who after that spin came battling back up to sixth position. But I got to think Mark Martin finishing second and, and hanging with Dale Earnhardt was as close as anybody could do here today. Yeah, and he started 12th on the beginning and worked his way up there to get in a position to do it. So uh, the $500 from Have a Tampa Cigar folks will go to Mark Martin here this afternoon in the Close But No Cigar Award. Dale Earnhardt having won the 13th annual Bush Clash for this Winston Cup season. But a good second place run today in this final segment for Mark Martin. He takes home $31,000 for his afternoon's work. Let's get a thought or two from him. Well, Mark Martin talking to Jeff Bodine about the Bush Clash. Mark, a lot of tight racing, but a good second place finish. Yeah, I think uh, Jeff and I probably had the tightest there for a minute uh, on the last lap of the first segment. Got pretty close there. Uh, I'm glad he didn't get tore up. I hated to really, really did hate to see good race cars get tore up today. I know the fans saw a great show. Uh, I hate that it was at, you know, that, that we're, you know, tore up some cars. But, you know, the Folgers Thunderbird's going to be fantastic in the 500. I have to say I'm disappointed to see Dale Earnhardt come back out and dominate. But I am encouraged that, uh, you know, we've got a great race car. And I think that with a little bit of tuning, we can do something with Dale in the 500. You did say you had one shot at it. Well, I had one shot at him, and he did what he was supposed to do. He blocked the shot, and that was the end of it. I had a good run going into one on him, and I was headed up the outside, and he let her drift up where he's, you know, where he needed to be, and that was the end of that run. And then after that, it was a deal of, you know, you know, watch what's going on and guard your position. I never could get a good enough, strong enough run at him to take a shot. Jeff Bodine, you had your moments. Tell us about the spin. <laughs> I'm still spinning. I don't think anyone's ever tried uh, to win this race harder than I have. I've spun out uh, two or three times coming off that corner trying to win this thing, and I uh, did it again today. I guess I put an exciting show on for the race fans. Uh, had a camera in the car. I'm sure the people back home watching that TV saw that too, but, but we didn't hit anything, and that's the, the main thing. Nobody hit me, and we didn't really hurt the car. We just need to, to work a little harder on the Budweiser car, and... Uh, Try to get up to speed. Now, I'll say the same thing uh, Mark just said. Well, kind of disappointed to see old Dale running so strong again. He sure has had a handle on these uh, speedways the last year. And it looks like he has it again. But uh, believe me, no one in that garage area is going to quit. Uh, we're going to work all week long trying to catch him and try to get up there where we can race with him. Is the difference in his car the handling part of it? Oh, no. No, he's working pretty hard in there. Uh, 
you know, we all are. We're all running pretty loose, so the cars go as fast as they can. He just has a, a good running engine, a lot of horsepower, uh, and uh, we're trying to get that. We're working really hard, so I think we all need to work hard this week and hopefully, maybe, keep our fingers crossed so we can figure out what we need to do. Did you learn something from this race that you can apply to the 125s? Yeah, we need to work a little harder, get going a little faster. <laughs> Pretty obvious, but uh, that's a few days away. And like I said, we're going to work all week. Uh, shoot, a lot of time left. We might find a the little secret, a little missing link in what, what's been going wrong for us. So uh, just want to say hi to Kathy back home. Sorry I had to give you that exciting ride, but uh, we made it. We didn't hit anything. That's Jeff O'Dine, driver of the Budweiser Ford. He yeah. takes home, what, some $12,000? Yeah, $12,000. Not not a bad day's work. And uh, as he said, he did learn a little something in this race along with all the other teams. Let's check in with Dick Brooks. Yeah, Barney was uh, sitting here with Rusty. He just uh, sitting here going over what he done and what he's going to do. And he's uh, pretty well hyped. I think he's got uh, some good plans. Well, the car's running good. Uh, we've got a you know a new combination here. The car handled good. The motor ran good. Uh, I just got stuck behind a car there at the start and couldn't get in front of him. But finally... Uh, the first half of the race got real, real loose. We had to adjust the spoiler, put a little spring rubber in the right front. We got our tight net running good. And then I broke loose, and, boy, I just wish I had a couple more laps right now because I might have won the thing because it was really strong. But I'm really happy about this new Penske team, and uh, I'd like to thank Harold Elliott, David Evans, and all the guys back at the shop and everybody that's uh, working on this effort because uh, we're doing a good job. And Mike Kennedy, the guy who built the motor down here, he's doing a super job. Got a lot of power. Uh, kind of screwed up qualifying yesterday. I guess I didn't do it right, but uh, car's running good. I'm happy about it. Guys go along uh, in your young years and stuff, and you run 10 lap races or 20 lap races, and you get used to making a spurt for something or uh, trying to keep yourself from getting boxed in. And then you then you go along through the middle part of your life here, and you're trucking along for 500 miles at a time, and you kind of plan your plan the ending and stuff. And then you get in a race like this one today, where you have to go back to making that move and not getting boxed in. Somewhere or another, you got to get out of that box, and uh, sometimes you just can't do it. Well, you're right. You know, I mean, we've uh, we've worked at this Daytona Talladega racetrack awful hard for four or five years with no luck, and it looks like the luck's finally starting to turn around right now. Uh, I had a lot of people question why my decision was to run the Daytona 500 car in a Bush Clash, and i got to tell you, it, it was one of the greatest practice sessions there ever could have been because I was dead loose at the start of the race when I thought it would be good. And now I got uh, a real good car to start to 125. So, uh, you know, we're not going to make all the right decisions, but we're working hard at it. And uh, our new car owner, Roger Penske, is hanging right in there being a, a true champion with us. He was talking on the radio more than I could listen. So uh, we had a good time today. Well, I think you all going to have a good year. Thank you very much. All right. These guys, uh, they're pumped. It's just like uh, somebody said there earlier, this is a paid practice session. And before we shift our gears over to the ARCA 200 that you'll be hearing live on MRN, let's take a quick run around the speedway here and get a nomination from the MRN crew on the Peak Antifreeze Cool Move of the Race Award. The winner getting $500 from Peak Antifreeze and Summer Coolant. Joe Moore has the first word and it turns one and two. Eli's got to go with Dale Earnhardt the way he put his car right down at the bottom of the track and shot by everybody like he had a rocket under the hood of that thing. It's about the coolest thing I've seen all week, so I'll vote for Earnhardt. We might ought to say anybody on the crew who wants to vote other than Dale Earnhardt, speak now or forever hold your peace. All right, Dale Earnhardt takes home $500 as the winner of the Peak Performance Cool Move of the Race Award awarded here today during our coverage of the Bush Clash. And from the Daytona International Speedway, this is MRN Radio. Today's ARCA 200 on MRN Radio is sponsored by TransSouth, home of the Dash for Cash Racing Contest. TransSouth, for the right loan, right now. By Unical, the winning spirit rides with you every time. It's the spirit of 76. By Gatorade Thirst Quencher, 
Gatorade for that deep down body thirst. And by Planners Nuts. If you're a racing nut, eat Planners. They're nuts too. Welcome back to Daytona International Speedway as the ARCA 200 for the Automobile Racing Club of America is about set to unfold. There have been a number of drivers who have reached prominence in Winston Cup competition who began their racing career in the ARCA circuit. For instance, Benny Parsons won this ARCA 200 at Daytona back in 1969. Veteran Ramos Stott won in 1970. Jim Sauter, Kyle Petty, the late Tim Richmond, Joe Rutman, Rick Wilson, Mickey Gibbs, they have all won the ARCA 200 here at Daytona before reaching prominence in Bush Grand National and Winston Cup competition. So this is quite a stepping stone for some and for others, like veterans Dorsey Schrader and Red Farmer, it's not a stepping stone at all. It's just another day with a race being run, and they're going to go out there and run it. MRN Radio with our coverage of Speed Weeks 1991. One man who might well be the busiest of any driver here at Daytona Beach, Florida all week is Dorsey Schrader, young driver from Baldwin, Missouri, who runs the ARCA race. He's running Winston Cup. He's running Bush Grand National. He's even in the International Race of Champions that debuts here this coming Friday. He is down on the trackside area right now awaiting driver introductions, and Winston Kelly is with him. Winston? Dorsey, as Eli Gold was telling the the listening audience, a busy man this week. The moment at hand, though, the ARCA 200. Now, you're making a bit of a transition, normally driving the IMSA GTO and the SCCA Trans Am Series, going to the heavier cars. Starting on the pole, that transition seems to be going pretty well for you. Yeah, I'm real happy. You know, the Valvoline Napa Ford is uh, is a real good race car, and the crew's done a good job of setting it up. I'm comfortable here on the oval with the car, and, you know, with a little bit of luck, we stay out of trouble today. I think we're going to do real well. Now, Dorsey, when we talk to most drivers who make the transition to the heavier cars and we talk about the differences, that gets most of the attention, the weight of the cars. What other differences are major in making this transition from your standpoint? That's really not the weight of the car all that much. It's the oval itself that's different. You know, on a road racing course, there's a pre-designated fast line, and the line around the racetrack stays the same no matter what, unless somebody blows an engine in front of you or something on it. The fast way around's the same. Here on the oval, it changes. You know, sometimes you got to run low, sometimes you got to run high, and uh, the premium is set up on the car setup. You know, the driver himself, he's not the determining factor here. It's, it's the car, the engine, the aerodynamics. It's all the whole the package that does the thing here. How about your strategy for today's race? Well, Red Farmer's right behind me in a team car, so we're hoping to hook up in a draft and get away right away and run out and uh, hopefully get away with the rest of the guys. If that doesn't happen, I'll probably fall into a conservative role and uh, maybe not be the guy to lead, but I just sit around here and let Red teach me some. I know he's got a lot of tricks. Dorsey Schrader starts his Ford Thunderbird on the inside of row number one in this afternoon's ARCA 200. We should establish, Barney, that Dorsey Schrader is not a relative of Ken Schrader. They spell their last name differently, and even though they are both Missouri drivers, uh, there is no relationship there between uh, Kenny and Dorsey Schrader, other than they're both champion drivers. Last year, Jimmy Horton had great success on most of the super speedways running in the ARCA division. Let's get his thoughts. Jim Phillips? Well, as a matter of fact, Barney was king of the super speedways last year in this division. Five super speedway wins. This started right here at Daytona. But this year, a different look. Last year, it was a Pontiac, natural Chevrolet, and this year, a V6 engine instead of a V8. Why, Jimmy? Well, we just, you know, Jim Ruggles and I talked about it, and, you know, he just thinks that the V6 is a little bit better on a horsepower range, and, you know, maybe we'll get a little bit more life on our tires and gas mileage. Maybe we can win the race doing that. So it's, it's strategy. 
Since we are going to use the new NASCAR pit rule for this race today, and it will be the first time in 1991, does your team plan to run the entire 200 miles in the same set of tires? Yeah, I don't think we plan on changing unless something goes wrong. We run over something. I think we can make it. We made it at Talladega. We're just changing right sides, and we didn't really have to. So, uh, you know, I think we can make it. We're pretty confident on Hoosier tires. You're in the company of a couple of strong Fords, Dorsey Schrader and Red Farmer, your strategy. Well, just, we just got to size each other up, you know, just kind of hang on and just ride along for a little while. You know, I don't really like leading them too much. And, you know, if I can sit back and follow them the whole race and coming off four for a checker, beat them. That's what I want to do. That's Jimmy Horton, and that's exactly what he did last year. He didn't lead all the races all the time, but it would come time to get the checker flag. He was the man out front. Charlie Glotzback has been around as, as long as I have, and he's never changed his driving style. He runs just as hard as he can run every lap. Dick Brooks is with him. Well, we sure are, and he walks just like he used to, too, just kind of nonchalantly walking off across the infield here. <laughs> Charlie, we've been around this thing a long, long time, and I used to enjoy watching you race, and, and I used to enjoy racing with you, and uh, here you're still doing it, and you still say you're enjoying it, and you ain't working, you're just uh, playing. Yeah, Dick, you know, uh, I pedal around home a little bit and uh, run a few of these races and have a little fun. It's, it's fun now. You know, before it was kind of work, but... Uh, you know, we go out here and, with a good car and run good in these ARCA races, so it's really enjoyable. You had a good season last year. I don't know for sure how many you ran, but you won a couple of them. Yeah, we ran uh, six times, and I think we had a fourth and a couple of seconds and a couple of wins and a third. So, you know, if we can just do that this year, I'd say, you know, we'll be real lucky. Charlie, you used to really like Darlington. I used to like to watch you run there. And uh, and you like Talladega and Daytona? Is it still as much fun as it was? Oh yeah, you know, it, I think it's more fun now than it used to be. Yeah, you don't have the pressure, huh? Yeah, that's right. There's no pressure at all. You know, they tell me go out there and do the best I can do, and that's what I do. Well, guys, I'll bet you that uh, he means that from the bottom of his heart, because Charlie Gotsback's a race driver from a long, long time ago, and he still is, still enjoys it. I enjoy Weston. We were talking with some guys who say that when Charlie's out there running three abreast at 200 miles an hour and he will just be as cool and calm on the two-way radio as though he were sitting in his easy chair at home and that's uh, the kind of demeanor you need when you uh, get yourself into a uh, Winston Cup or in this case Arca stock car. Another guy who was used to that kind of competition and has won better than 725 feature races over the year is a man who was both the crew chief and now today a driver again, Charles Red Farmer of Hueytown, Alabama. Let's get his thoughts as he gets set to go. And Eli, we're walking along beside the man they affectionately call the Redhead, won his first race in 1949. Back on the super speedway in the last few years, Red, how about today's race? Well, I feel real good about it. The car's working real good. Uh, the engine, they tuned it up this morning. If we can get another couple mile an hour out of it, I think we'll be real good shape. I don't think I can be as awesome as Earnhardt is, but you know, it's a long race. I just hope we have a good, safe race. And uh, I think if the car worked on my performance, I've got a real good feeling the car's going to be right up in front when the race is over. Red Dorsey Schrader was telling us that he hoped to hook up with you and you two pull away. You think you can do that? Well, we'll just have to see it. You know, you can make all kinds of plans, but when they drop the green flag and we go down that back straightaway, we have to pretty well make plans as we go along. I mean, that's the way I plan to do it. I said, we can work with Dorsey. I'm going to do it. If the two boards can hook up and pull away, that's what we want to try to do. If one of us is not working good and the car's wiggling in the traffic or in the draft, I may have to pick an Oldsmobile or Chevy to go with. But, you know, we're going to try to work together. You don't need to work by yourself out there. Uh, if you do with us plates, you're just going to know 
worse. So you've got to get a racing buddy to go with and then hope you can run with him all day. With the new pit road rules that we're going to be using today, what's your pit strategy? Well, uh, our pit strategy right now, we're on the Hoosier tires, and I think the Hoosier tires can go the whole distance without a pit stop. So if everything works out, we're going to try to, try to make a caution green, a gas stop, and that's all. Well, good luck this afternoon. Thank you. Red Farmer, he's notched 725 wins in his illustrious career. He goes off third this afternoon. He made a good point. They were talking about the pit rules. This will be the first chance that we'll have to see NASCAR's new pit rules go into effect. Now, the ARCA people elected to try them also to make pit road much safer for their type of racing, just the same as NASCAR. So we're going to get the first look this afternoon at how things work uh, as far as that goes. Now, that new pit rule, again, for those who might not be familiar, is uh, it's really simpler than it sounds, to be honest with you. Under caution, you can come down the pit road. You cannot change tires. You can fill up with fuel. You can do anything you'd like from the left side of the automobile. Obviously, the intent there is to keep folks away from in front of and to the right side of uh, the cars on pit road. Then when we go back to green flag racing, on the very first lap of green, everybody stays on the racetrack. Nobody can pit. On the second lap of green flag racing, those cars who are pitted in the odd-numbered pit stalls will pit first. Then on the third lap of green flag racing, those cars in the even-numbered pit stalls will be able to come down the the pit lane and uh, that is the basic story behind the rules there are a few more intricacies that will explain as the afternoon unfolds but the bottom line were those particulars that we've just given you and it's interesting again to point out that some who figure that they can go just on fuel stops and not worry about tires will be able to make their stop under caution and not have to worry at all about stopping under green. And Jim Phillips, you and I were talking with a few of the other drivers this morning, and there are some who feel they can even go 300 miles without changing tires, as the Bush Grand National cars are going to be looking at doing come Saturday. That's right, Eli, 3,200-pound race cars on this speedway. And I know in the past, when they were 3,450, there were some cars that went the distance of the bias ply tires for 300 miles. And I feel like uh, the 3,200-pound cars, of course, these cars weigh 3,400 pounds, the ARCA cars. But, of course, uh, the tires are maybe a little bit better than they were three or four or five years ago. So I think that uh, we'll see uh, quite a few drivers go the distance today and in the Goodies 300 because with this restrictor plate, that uh, position on the racetrack is so important. Today's broadcast of the Bush Clash and the ARCA 200 is brought to you under exclusive radio rights granted by the Daytona International Speedway to MRN Radio solely for the private, non-commercial use of our listening audience. Any publication, reproduction, or other use of the description and accounts of this race without the expressed written consent of NASCAR, ARCA, and MRN Radio is prohibited. And now the field of 42 is assembled on pit road for the start of this 80-lap ARCA 200. Let's meet the starting lineup. 42nd starting spot getting in on a provisional start is Graham Taylor from Port Royal, Pennsylvania, the car mate Trailers Ford. Another provisional starter is Dave Weltmeyer of Hazelcrest, Illinois, in the Atlas Copco Tools Chevrolet. 40th starter is Ron Burchett, just getting back after changing an engine earlier today. Ron Burchett, Jr. from Walkertown, North Carolina, in the Pilot Engines Chevrolet. 39th is David Boggs of Wake Forest, North Carolina, the Finney Racing Oldsmobile. 38th Eighth is Roy Payne. He's running for Rookie of the Year in ARCA this year. He's from Hueytown, Alabama in the Mopar Performance Chrysler. 37th is John Stratman Jr. from Cleveland, Ohio. His own 
Oldsmobile. 36th starter is Jerry Hill from Brandywine, Maryland, driving his own Buick. One of only two V6-powered cars in the field is starting in 35th spot. That's Rusty Johnson from Fultondale, Alabama. He's driving the Jody's Place Chevrolet. 34th is a former ARCA Series champion, Bob Dotter from Chicago, Illinois. The D&D Racing Chevrolet. Billy Simmons from Opelika, Alabama, has the S&S Racing Chevrolet in 33rd. 32nd is Doc Watson from Ormond Beach, Florida. A former boxer. Used to be a sparring partner for Joe Frazier, among others. Doc Watson and the Dixie Queen Riverboat Chevrolet. And 31st starter is Glenn Brewer from Columbus, Georgia. In the Eagle Budweiser Oldsmobile, he is the brother of Winston Cup crew chief Tim Brewer. 30th spot belongs to rookie driver Jerry Cook of Sylvania, Ohio, the target expediting Oldsmobile. 29th in making return to ARCA Racing after a little over a year being away for a maternity leave, Patty Simcoe Schacht of Lexington, South Carolina, the Bob Schacht Motorsports Racing Buick. 28th starter, Ken Reagan of Unadilla, Georgia, the Ken Cade Racing Chevrolet. 27th, and boy, he's got a sponsor I love, Bobby Woods of Pahrump, Nevada, in the Screaming Squeegees Oldsmobile. We'll talk a little bit about that later this afternoon. 26th starter, Joe Nimrosky of Suffolk, Field, Connecticut, and the Boardwalk Auto Sales Oldsmobile. Chris Gerke will be starting 25th from Lincoln, Illinois, and the Lean Supreme Oldsmobile. 24th starter from Daytona Beach, Florida, and he had a great finish here back in February last year. Finished second. He is uh, in the Gibson Racing Oldsmobile. Let's see if we can get his thoughts. We're with Mark Gibson, Barney, and I remember talking to him after last year's ARCA 200. He was probably about as happy as Jimmy Horton was, but you just told me you want to do one better today. Uh, we'd like to do one better. You know, it's, it was great running second last year, but the, the, the hard part of that, we have to come back and show it wasn't a fluke that we ran that way. We got the car running a lot better in the last practice yesterday. We got up to around 188, 189. So if we can just catch the draft, I think we'll be all right. So the draft is the key for you this afternoon? Yeah, it really is. Uh, starting this far back, you, you, it's hard to run by yourself and break away. So uh, we're just going to try to catch up maybe with Charlie and follow him to the front and, and see what happens in the last 10 or uh, 5, 10 laps. The 1986 Rookie of the Year of this division, Mark Gibson, starts 24th in his Oldsmobile. He hopes to have a good run today. 23rd starter, a rookie driver, Tim Hepler from Statesville, North Carolina. The Hepler Racing Chrysler, 22nd, Donnie Moran of Frazeesburg, Ohio. The Alpine Alpa Cheese Chrysler, and he should have a good run here today also. Charlie Glotzback, we heard from a moment ago, the Indiana driver in the Garrett Trucking Chevrolet. Starting in the 20th spot, the defending ARCA Permatech Series champion, Bob Brevac from Ashland, Wisconsin, has his race glaze Buick in 20th spot. Jim Phillips is standing alongside that blue and yellow machine. Well, today, Bob Brevac, you start defense of your 1990 ARCA title. Different pit rules, different tire combinations. What's your strategy for today? Well, we're here and we're ready, and uh, we're just going to do the best we can and give them a run for it, try and get by the first half of the race and see all the cards are laying and see what we got, see what everybody else has got, and give them heck from the rest of the way out. How about this Buick machine in the draft? Well, the race glaze Buick uh, is, is a good car in the draft. It uh, loses a little by itself. But if we can get the thing in the proper draft with the right cars, I think we can be competitive. That's Bob Reback, the 1990 ARCA champion. And these cars are 62 and a half inches wide compared to a Winston Cup car, which is 60.5. So handle a little bit better in the corners. 
Starting in the 19th spot is Carl Miscotten Jr. He is the father of Carl Miscotten III, who has run a good bit on the ARCA series over the last few years. Uh, Miscotten is from Fort Wayne, Indiana, in the Anglo-American Auto Auction Buick. 18th is Mark Thompson from Cartersville, Georgia. He's driving Henley Gray's Chevrolet. 17th is Bob Keselowski, a former ARCA champion from Rochester Hills, Michigan, the K Automotive Chevrolet. 16th is Mike Davis from Camden, Arkansas. He's driving the second Bob Schacht entered car. It's an Oldsmobile. 15th is Dale McDowell from Chickamauga, Georgia, the Dover Cylinder Head Chevrolet. 14th is Billy Thomas from Phoenix City, Alabama, his own Pontiac. 13th starter, another Rookie of the Year campaigner for ARCA, Keith Wade from Quinton, Alabama, the Tarrant Hydraulic Services Buick. In 12th, Bobby Gerhardt, the veteran from Lebanon, Pennsylvania in the Thomas Chevrolet. And 11th is David Simcoe from Clarkston, Michigan, the Mound Steel Oldsmobile. Quick look at the top 10 in 10th position, Cecil Eunice of Blackshear, Georgia, in the 11 Racing Oldsmobile. Starting 9th, Scott Hansen of Green Bay, Wisconsin, the Air Orlando Chevrolet. Starting 8th, Farrell Harris of Pikeville, Kentucky, the Old Coal Miner, the T.T. Coley Racing Pontiac. 7th starter, Bobby Bowser of Springfield, Ohio, the Don Thompson Excavating Ford. Starting 6th is Kerry Teague. He's a youngster we'll keep our eye on here this afternoon from Concord, North Carolina, in the Salder Seal New Power Oldsmobile. 5th starter, Bill Venturini of Chicago, Illinois in the Amico Ultimate Chevrolet. Starting fourth, Ben Hess of Wadsworth, Ohio, the Salem Leasing Oldsmobile. Third starter we heard from a moment ago, Red Farmer from Hueytown, Alabama, the Napa Auto Parts Ford. And on the front row in the number two spot is Jimmy Horton from Folsom, New Jersey. He's driving the V6 we talked about. We'll keep you posted on that. Miles Concrete Chevrolet. And on the pole, Dorsey Schrader from Baldwin, Missouri in the Napa Auto Parts Racing Ford. Should be quite a classy field here. The equipment gets better and better. And with the experience they've had on the Super Speedways used to. This was probably the only super speedway they ran, except maybe Talladega once in a while they'd go there. Now they run Atlanta, and they run here, and they run Talladega, and they have really developed some good driving styles, most of these ARCA drivers. Of course, last year, the addition of Michigan for the very first time and what was an experiment and turned out to be an outstanding race, and back they go again to the Irish Hills this year, so ARCA is really establishing themselves as quite a force in what used to be a Midwest series that now has very much of a national scope. The season opener for the ARCA Permatech Supercar Series, the ARCA 200, that is 80 laps, 200 miles here on the high banks. Two pace cars now in front of the field, and that, of course, is what we'll be seeing during events on the NASCAR Winston Cup season throughout uh, 1991. Those two pace cars, one that will eventually stay on the racetrack and one to lead the cars down the uh, pit lane under caution. Elmo Langley driving one car and veteran Ramo Stott driving the other. Here today, we have already seen Dale Earnhardt dominate to win the Bush Clash, and many of the fine moves that Dale pulled off today happened in turns one and two, where his car handled so very beautifully. Joe Moore from WPEX Radio in Hampton, Virginia, is positioned there. Eli, we've got a good watch from over here in turn number two. I'm on a platform about 30 feet up in the air just at the exit of turn number two, and I'll be following the action of the ARCA 200 today as the cars hit the end of the front stretch and climb the 31-degree banking. Now, the racetrack is plenty wide. You could actually put three cars side by side easily, but at 190 miles an hour, all of a sudden it gets mighty narrow looking when you go into turn one, and it looks like uh, you can barely get one car in there in the single file formation. We'll be seeing quite a bit of bouncing around as the cars come through here, and of course the most important thing that happens in turn one and two is getting set for your charge down the back straight away where all the drafting takes place, and with this long field of cars getting set to go, that's going to be a key factor. 
They sweep out of turn number two, go down that long back straightaway and up into turn number three, and a lot of critical maneuvering goes on over there. Alan Bestwick from Daytona Beach, Florida. Well, Barney, the maneuvering that's going on over here is where you either make it or break it. You either make the pass and get back up in a line in front of someone, or you fail to make the pass and about 20 cars or so go by you before you can get back in a line. Drafting here is... The, the most critical factor in coming through the back straightaway of the Daytona International Speedway. 3,000 feet long, ever so slightly banked, making the way up into turn number three and four where you must have that pass completed or you're not going to make it. In turns three and four of Daytona International Speedway is Fred Armstrong, having just flown in from Portland, Oregon, where he became a new daddy just the other day. Fred, congratulations. Good to have you with us. Thank you very much. And hi to all back, all my folks who are back in Portland, Oregon. We're about 30 feet up uh, on the outside of the exit of turn four. A lot of action here so far today uh, in the Bush Clash. Some of the cars coming together and setting off those big chain reactions. The same thing we saw last year here in the ARCA 200. A couple of big wrecks, and it all happened down here in turn number four. This turn has been called many, many things by the drivers. I think the best name for it is Calamity Corner. After you come off turn four, that's where you can set up the draft again for that final charge down to the start-finish line. And here the field comes two by two. 42 cars strong off turn number four. The lights are off atop the blue Pontiac Grand Prix GTP. Elmo Langley pulls it to the left. Down pit road he goes. And we look for the green flag atop the flag stand as Dorsey Schrader leads them to the line. Down they come. Schrader on the break will get away. Tuck it out single file by himself. Scramble's going to be going on from fourth position on back as they shuffle, heading into turn number one for the start of the ARCA 200. Schrader gets the lead. His Ford out in front of the field while Red Farmer now goes to the inside of Jimmy Horton's V6-powered Chevrolet. Farmer's trying to get up there with Schrader and form that draft, but so far, Farmer can't get by Horton. He's working on the outside. Ben Hess sits behind those two. Battle is still side-by-side for the second position as they come down the back straightaway for the first time begin to shuffle it out single file still for second spot red farmer to the inside jimmy horton to the outside then ben hess and Kerry t red farmer takes it right down to the bottom of the racetrack ben hess will follow along now jimmy horton pretty much hung out to dry on the high side two by two for second as they come off turn four jimmy horton had tried to sneak in behind dorsey schrader and break up the idea that red farmer had of tucking in behind dorsey and seeing those two thunderbirds pull away from that gaggle of chevrolets near the front it's not working but another man on the trying to swing out to the inside is Ben Hess. He'll make it three wide for second. Hess goes down on the inside of the racetrack, just like Earnhardt did in Bush Clash, but it's not going to work here in turn number two. His car drifts up the banking, so again, he falls in behind Red Farmer and Jimmy Horton. Still that side-by-side battle for the second spot as they come down the back straightaway. They're halfway down the stretch. It's Farmer to the inside and Horton to the outside. Ford and Chevrolet, still Ben Hess, tucked in line in fourth. Ben Hess will take it down to the bottom of the racetrack. That may help out Red Farmer. Now Hess drifts up the banking a bit. Horton still stuck on the outside. Dorsey Schrader begins to break away as they come off turn four. Schrader has all the clean air out front all by himself. The scramble is from second on back, door to door for second, third, and fourth. As they work across the line, Schrader is the leader. Red Farmer having a lot of heat put on by Jimmy Horton. As they work back into turn number one, Ben Hess looks like he wants to make a move. Horton just will not give any room there. He holds his line on the outside of the racetrack. Red Farmer battles away down low. Those two cars drift high. Ben Hess now looks to the inside. Directly behind him, Kerry Teague. And Bill Venturini now goes to the outside of Teague. And the interesting thing about this is that while they battle side by side for second, the leader Dorsey Schrader has not been able to get away. He's only opened up about three car lengths now. And still, Farmer and Horton are side by side. Up high in the banking goes Horton. Down low is Red Farmer. Right behind is Ben Hess in the Bill Venturini car. And now Schrader begins to break away just a bit as they come off turn four. Midway in the field with a brand new 
Keith Dorton and Jen Charlie Glotzbach, who started 21st, is running 20th. So he's picked up one position in the first three laps of the ARCA 200. Second place, you've got a pretty good battle underway. Jimmy Horton is there. You've got Ben Hess working to the inside of Bill Venturini. Kerry Teague also trying to work himself up near the front. His cars Traveling go turn high. Four. Two cars go into the wall, make it three now. One of them is Red Farmer. The other one is Bill Venturini. They just ride the wall gently now as a caution flag came out. All three cars got up way high in the banking. They got caught up in each other, nose to tail and bumper to bumper. They just kind of eased their way right up to the top of the banking. They got into the wall and nobody got out of shape. It was just an amazing job of driving by those three drivers. Give a lot of credit to the ARCA drivers, Eli. Nobody locked it down this time. Nobody panicked. They kept the cars in a straight line. Red Farmer's car easing along here in the front straightaway. Bill Venturini is out against that wall and it scrubbed all the way down for perhaps a thousand feet, but it doesn't appear to be that damaged. Just uh, quite a bit of paint scrubbed off the car and we are under caution for the first time. One factor we had here is that the drivers involved most prominently were Farrell Harris, the uh, coal miner from Pikeville, Kentucky, who has a good bit of smoke streaming from behind his car, but he's a veteran, Red Farmer and Bill Venturini, so uh, if something like that was going to happen involving three drivers, it happened with three of the more veteran campaigners on the Arca circuit. They have run here and at Talladega and Atlanta so many times they knew exactly how to handle things, but for Red Farmer, no disappointment there, as he was harboring thoughts of his 726th career win this afternoon. Bill Venturini's car, Farrell Harris, and Red Farmer all in the pits. Let's go to pit road. Dick Brooks? Well, I'm in uh, Bill Venturini's pits, and they, uh, I was trying to find out where all the dust was. The car is, is, uh, looked like it's been through the desert out there. Uh, it got a bit of damage on the right-hand side, all right, and I guess it's just concrete dust coming off the wall, but uh, they've got a couple guys in there trying to clean it out. Never seen anything quite like that, but... Uh, <laughs> anyway, they're going to try to get him back in the race. He's still sitting in the car. They're beating the sheet metal around on it, fixing the tires, and uh, he'll probably go back in if they get it to where he can see out. All the sand and dirt at Daytona after they run a race will go right out against that outside wall, and that's where Venturini rode the wall for perhaps a couple of thousand feet. Jim Phillips? We're caught up with the coal miner, Farrell Harris. Farrell, what happened? Red Farmer was losing it in every end, and as long as he drove, I don't know why he wouldn't slow down. He finally spun out in front of Bill Carini, and I, I just got in the wall trying to get by both of them. Do you think you can get your car fixed and get back in the race? No, we come down here to win. The lap down here is all over for you. That's Farrell Harris. He's out of it this afternoon. Meanwhile, Red Farmer is pulled back onto the racetrack. Winston Kelly? The damage on Red Farmer's car is very similar to that of Bill Venturini. It's primarily concentrated on the right side. When he came into the pits, the right front tire was completely shredded and came off as he rolled onto pit road. Davey Allison's crew, led by Robert Yates, primarily providing the service to Red Farmer. They had to beat the sheet metal out from the right front of the tire as well on this end of pit road. So Red Farmer did lose a lap before he returned to the action. Red is using a Robert Yates engine with a, an Allison carburetor and, uh, under the hood of car number 74. Again, only two V6-powered machines out there today. Jimmy Horton being one and Rusty Johnson being the other. There are some substantial uh, number differences on weight and so on between V6 and V8-powered cars. V6 is at 3,250 pounds. The V8 at 3,400 pounds. We'll tell you more as our afternoon continues, but right now Elmo Langley pulling the Pontiac down pit road. We're going back to green. 
Green flag is in the air. Single file restart. They won't stay single file very long as Kerry Teague drops down to the inside of Ben Hess here at the start-finish line. Tried to pick up a position real quick. It won't work. And now he's hung out there all by himself as they head back to turn one. Teague will lose two more spots. Bobby Bowser is able to get by on the outside. Now Cecil Eunice pulls up on the outside of Kerry Teague. But now Teague begins to battle back. This will be the battle for third. Up front, though, it's Dorsey Schrader leading the way. Horton sits in the second spot. Ben Hess is third and Bobby Bowser fourth. They run it out single file now among the front five as they come down the back straightaway. The first battle will be back now for the fifth position. On the outside is Cecil Eunice. He has the fifth spot for the moment, but Kerry Teague is going to try and come back on the inside and regain that spot. Kerry Teague will get the spot. Meanwhile, up front, the top four begin to pack together, and it's going to be Jimmy Horton looking to the inside of Dorsey Schrader as they come off turn four. Kerry Teague got an awfully good jump on the restart that time. One of the keys to picking up that position there as Schrader leads. Ben Hess will sweep to the inside of Jimmy Horton here at the stripe trying to grab second. Hess's black car inside of the white machine of Jimmy Horton still battling for second. Horton still got the nose out in front though in the outside lane but Hess is battling with him right down at the inside of the track in turn two. Now it's the nose of Hess's car that's out in front off turn number two but Horton's still there. Front four have broken away from fifth on back by a good distance now about a thousand feet of racetrack as they come to the end of the back straightaway. Sorted out it'll be Jimmy Horton that holds on to second. Ben Hess will fall back in line into third. Ben Hess drifting back just a little bit. Horton about two car lengths in front. Now Horton begins to gain just a bit on Dorsey Schrader. The front four, single file, down to the bottom of the racetrack. One car way off the pace going through turns one and two and is now down on the apron of the racetrack. Billy Thomas will be heading for pit road. Meanwhile, the battle for the lead comes back to the start-finish line. Dorsey Schrader hangs on to it. Jimmy Horton gets real close. Three cars up there locked nose to tail back in turn one. Schrader by a car length over Jimmy Horton and directly behind him right on his bumper, the Ben Hess car. Then it's about five car lengths back to the Bobby Bowser machine. Those front three McCar- cars lead the way off turn two. Then Bowser, ten car links back. Bob Brevac is in the wall in turn two. His car shot up the banking, slid down to the inside. Everyone's able to get by. A lot of smoke, though, out of Bob Brevac's car in turn two. Caution is on the speedway. It'll be the second one of the afternoon as Bob Brevac had trouble over in turns one and two. The car went up and came right down through traffic. And again, I'm going to commend the ARCA drivers. Nobody locked it down. The car spun right through the middle of seven or eight machines. Everybody kept it in a straight line. Let's go back to turn two. A lot of heads up driving. Barney, you're right as the rest of that pack of cars came through. Brevac's car was on the outside lane coming into turn number one. And the defending ARCA series champ's car just seemed to shoot out from underneath him. Slammed into the outside wall. Spun around once and then slid down on the apron where it now sits. Again, everyone else was able to get by. Brevac's car still sits at the inside of the racetrack. Safety crews are overtending to the car now. Kerry Teague is on pit road. We were talking about the great jump he got before on that last restart. It uh, turns out to be a bit too good of a jump as the young driver from Concord, North Carolina, has been brought in by NASCAR for a stop-and-go penalty. He has now rejoined the field as we are under caution. Red Farmer has been back on pit road. He came in as the cars took the restart moments ago, and they're working under the hood of that Lucky Compton-owned machine. And so far, Lucky's been kind of lucky with one of his cars leading the ARCA 200, but the other Compton car has been on uh, the pit road for much of the day. And quite a bit of damage to Red's car. They will be very lucky just to get him back in there and salvage some kind of a finish this afternoon. Ten laps are complete. Dorsey Schrader leads. Jimmy Horton is second. And Ben Hess is third in the ARCA 200. Second caution of the afternoon comes out early here at Daytona in the ARCA 200 when Bob Brevac spun and hit the wall over in turn number two just a moment ago. Only one car was showing behind the wall, Farrell Harris, who suffered some damage a little bit earlier. From the Daytona International Speedway, this is MRN Radio. The ARCA 200 under caution for the second time this afternoon here at Daytona on lap number 11. 
Red Farmer has just taken his car to the garage area after the uh, lap number four incident between himself, Bill Venturini, and Farrell Harris. Meanwhile, this caution because of Bob Brevac tagging the turn two wall. Let's get an update from Joe Moore. Well, Bob seemed to be okay. Eli stepped out of his car here in turn number two, surveyed the damage, and walked under his own power over to get into the ambulance for the mandatory checkup. They had to bring the rollback out to put his car up. A lot of extensive damage on the left side of the car, but they have now loaded the car up and are now driving away. Still working caution. A couple of cars are on pit road. Billy Thomas's machine down there being attended to. Twelve laps of racing. And again, I, I don't think we can say enough about what we have seen of the two cautions that have come out with accidents off turn four and accident over in the middle of turns one and two. The composure and the professionalism that we've seen in the ARCA drivers here. So a couple of years ago, these guys would come down here with not that much super speedway experience. And it's like anybody said, anybody of the Winston Cup guys or ARCA drivers will tell you that do have years and years on a super speedway. As long as you're out there by yourself when you come here the first time, it seems fairly easy to run 180 to 190 miles an hour. And I guess it is the way these cars are set up. But they say that during competition, when something goes wrong and you suddenly realize, hey, this thing's going sideways or whatever, or there's somebody spinning in front of me, that you realize how fast you're going and that's where the problems happen. It takes a while, I guess, to just keep your composure when you see a car spin in front of you or something like that. But today, they've done a whale of a job. They really have. I asked Donnie Moran about that. He's a veteran dirt driver now on the Arca circuit. I said, you seem to be really comfortable on the big tracks. Oh, yeah, you know, like I've raced dirt racing for 12 years, and I've been running Daytona, Talladega, and Atlanta, and went to Michigan once, and uh, the more I go, the more comfortable I get, and I'm getting more comfortable in the draft and around cars and more knowing what it's going to do when I'm out there compared to, like, first time I was out there, I didn't know what was going to go on. And that's what the experience means in any kind of racing. Let's check in with Winston Kelly in the garage. Eli Red Farmer is still sitting in his car talking to his crew, and you can tell that he hit the car, hit the wall very hard flush against the wall. The, the damage to the right side of the car is completely even all the way down the right side of the wall, which generally means that the, uh, the hit was awful tough. He's indicating that he's got a little bit of pain in his chest, so they're going, going to take him to the infield care center and check him over, and we'll try to get a comment with him later. But Red Farmer, out of this afternoon's race. Mike Davis also spent some time in the pits. His car has just come off pit road and is on the apron of the racetrack, not coming up to speed. We'll find out if he's waiting for the rest of the field to come on by, but he is very slow going out, down into the number one corner. It'll be a single file restart. They get the indication this time as the pace car takes them back toward turn number one. We'll go back to green here in just a moment. Now we're showing four cars behind the wall. Rusty Johnson just took his car out behind the wall a moment ago, but they're still working on it back there. They haven't taken it back to the garage area. Red Farmer's out, Bob Brevac, and Farrell Harris. And now uh, we see the field in the uh, corner of turn one, but the lights have come back on atop the safety car. At least it looks that way from our vantage point. Joe Moore? No, I believe the lights are still off, Eli. Looks like the, the field may be forming up for the restart as the safety cars lead them. They're all in single file. Looks like they would be going to the double-wide formation if they were about ready to get the restart. But Dorsey Schrader leads the field, and one of the safety cars is peeling off here in turn two. Must have been the glint of some of the Florida sunshine off the uh, lights atop the safety car. Quick reminder about some of the broadcasts, some of the special broadcasts you'll be hearing and seeing from Daytona this week. On Thursday evening, let's start in uh, correct order, Tuesday night, NASCAR Live is on the air. Richard Petty will be along, as will Harry Melling. Richard, of course, the seven-time Winston Cup champion. Harry Melling, the car owner for Bill Elliott's Ford Thunderbird. That's Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock Eastern. 
Thursday evening, a special edition of NASCAR Live, which Alan Bestwick will be hosting. He'll have Jeff Bodine and Tim Brewer, Benny Parsons, among others. That will be from 7 until 8 o'clock, just across the street from the Speedway at the Volusia Mall. That same evening at 7.30, our television show, This Week in NASCAR, will be on from the Howard Johnson's Hotel here in Daytona. That used to be the Clarendon Plaza. Richard Petty will be our guest on the TV side, along with uh, some other special invitees. That's coming up Thursday, uh, radio at 7, television at 7.30 on a busy, busy Speed Weeks 1991. Well, things do really get busy this final week. The green flag is in the air, and the ARCA 200 will go back to competitive speed as they head off into turn number one. Dorsey Schrader is the leader. Right behind him, Jimmy Horton rides in the number two spot. Ben Hess is third. And fourth is Bobby Boucher. Battle for the lead in turn one. They'll go to the inside of the racetrack. That's a Dorsey Schrader car. Holds his line as Jimmy Horton tries to climb the banking. He'll try to pull up on the outside, but that won't work. Meanwhile, a good battle back for fifth as well. Cecil Eunice is shuffled to the outside. One car comes to the inside. That's the Bob Keselowski car off turn two. Meanwhile, the lead cars are halfway down the back straightaway, and they've broken away from fifth on back by a good distance now. Still at the head of the pack, Dorsey Schrader. The battle continues to be from fifth and sixth on back as Carl Miscotten tries to work his way to the front. Good battle there as they come into the corner, but now Jimmy Horton wants to make a stab at it. He'll plant it right down to the bottom of the racetrack, but Dorsey Schrader defends the inside line coming off four. As they work back towards the trioval area, they will put lap number 15 of 80 on the board. Schrader, Horton, Ben Hess, and Bobby Bowser. Then back to David Simcoe, Bobby Gerhardt, Cecil Eunice, and Carl Miscotten. But those front cars, the front four, pull away now by better than two and a half, three seconds. Really starting to stretch it out, but they're beginning to shuffle up a little bit for themselves. Ben Hess drops to the inside of the racetrack, off turn two. He goes to work on Horton and now goes for the lead. Down to the inside, they'll make it three wide for the lead. Down to the inside, Hess will go all the way out in front. There'll be a three-way battle for second now. Down to the inside, Bowser will come by Dorsey Schrader, and he'll race with Jimmy Horton for the runner-up spot. Bowser down low, Horton up high. Bobby Bowser takes that left front tire, just plants it right down to the bottom of the racetrack. In front, leading it's Ben Hess off turn four. We are now working the 19th of 80 laps. The race lead is 2.06 seconds for Ben Hess back to fourth place. That's how tight they're running right now. Ben Hess, Bobby Bowser, Jimmy Horton, and then the pole sitter, Dorsey Schrader, back into the fourth spot. A span of 2.06 seconds between them. The second caution of the day came out when Bob Brevac of Ashland, Wisconsin hit the wall in turn number two. He has just exited the care center. Winston Kelly is down there. Bob is obviously okay walking under his own power and a tough way to start your title defense, Bob. What happened? Well, we have like trouble we off turn number four as one car spins a couple, three times. David Simcoe is the car. He has yet to make contact with anything, but now he does with the inside retaining wall. And one other car spins up near Fred Armstrong. That's right, Eli. Just a moment ago, uh, one car began to spin to the outside of the racetrack. It was Jerry Cook in that black uh, car black and white machine, spun up, hit the outside retaining wall, came down to the inside of the racetrack. Things got a little bit hairy there for a moment as he started to drift back up the banking. A couple of other cars dove up high to avoid him, and uh, the black car sits now down to the inside of the racetrack. He is moving around inside the car, about 20 feet in front of us as we sit here on the outside of turn four, and the safety crews are on their way. 
Jerry Cook with a lot of damage to his car, sitting on the apron of the racetrack just out of turn number four. That happened just about 10 or 15 seconds after David Simcoe's car broke loose coming out of turn number four and slid some 15, 1,600 feet down through the, do- the dog leg here at Daytona, ending up against that inside concrete retaining wall. So all of a sudden, cars are getting damaged right and left here at Daytona, and that seems to be the trouble spot coming out of turn number four. We're working lap 21, and this is the third caution flag of the day. Let's go back to Winston Kelly, who was talking with Bob Brevac at the time of those two incidents. Winston? Bob, you were telling us what happened out there in, for the second caution flag. Well, we were uh, we had the race glaze Buick going along pretty good. We were just biding our time, and it looks like we ran over something through the trial and got down in turn one, and the tire blew and slid it up through the bank and hit the wall not real hard. And we did some, quite a bit of body damage. Uh, I hope the car's not hurt bad, but, uh, you know, we'll have the race glaze Buick back in Atlanta and running good again. So the defending champion of this division is out this afternoon. David Simcoe, who spun that car just a moment ago, was having a good run. He was up in fifth position when the problem happened to him coming off turn number four. Now, Jerry Cook's car still is sitting out on the apron of the racetrack. Let's go back up to Fred Armstrong in turn four. The safety crew is just coming on the scene down here. Jerry Cook, we're taking a look right now through the glasses, is moving around inside of his car. A little difficult for him to get out as the steering column was pushed all the way up almost to the front of his helmet. But Jerry Cook just now beginning to disconnect himself from his machine as he sits still in his car. The safety crew is just coming on the scene right now to uh, hook up the tow truck also an ambulance on the scene right now it appears jerry cook moving around and conscious inside of his car so we are under caution for the third time this afternoon on lap number 21 next stop for the arca permatech supercar series will be the atlanta motor speedway they go to atlanta on the 16th of march that's the weekend of the motorcraft 500 when the winston cup cars run there then on the 28th of april the kill care speedway in xenia ohio playing host to the arca series in may the arca cars are at talladega super speedway on may the 4th may the 25th at the flat rock speedway in flat rock michigan to Toledo Speedway in Toledo, Ohio hosts the ARCA cars the very next night. That's May the 26th. In June, it's up to Milwaukee, Wisconsin on the one-third mile clay oval there. That's on the 7th of June. The 15th at Pocono International Raceway, June the 15th. That's in conjunction with the Winston Cup weekend. Then on to Michigan International Speedway, June the 22nd for another weekend with the Winston Cup cars. So that's where the ARCA Permatech Series will be running in the next number of months. You might want to make your ticket plans right now. Let's go to Pit Road. Eli, uh, David Zemko just called out of his car. David, what happened? I had, I had a tire going down coming on turn four. We come through the corner and we just, is like an oil slick tire just come, car just come around. You going to try to get it back together? No, nah, we broke front tie rods, so we're done. Well, he's uh, sitting here with not much damage on the car, just uh, scraped something a little bit, but all the tires are flat. Uh, Mark Gibson just come in just the lap before that happened and uh, checked his car over. He's got an engine going sour, too. So some of these guys got some engine problems. Jim Phillips? Well, talk about engine problems. Charlie Glotzback went behind the wall. It's his third engine this week in that uh, Floyd Garrett Chevrolet. He's behind the wall. Also, Ron Burchette, the uh, six-cylinder, one of the two in the race, he has lost a cylinder. And Jimmy Horton, as he went by just a moment ago, had some smoke trailing from his car, and it sounded as though that six-cylinder is down one. So a lot of engine problems early in the race here in the Permatex Arca Permatex 200. Jim, uh, uh, Billy Simmons is, is here also, and he's uh, out of his car, number 17 car. What happened to your car, Bill? We broke a gearbox. I had a vibration the last three laps. I thought our tire would equalize. We come in to change right side tires and gearbox, and it broke when I was going out. 
Boy, it's terrible to come all this way and just run a, run a short time, right? Uh, it's hard. We had a bad year last year, but we get a new team together this year. We're going to be a competitor in the Arca Series. Well, it looks like they got a good-looking car, so try it again next year, I guess. Well, the Arca Division, a lot of them are not full-time racers. Maybe they run uh, half the schedule, or some of them run the entire schedule, but most of them have other employment, and they do it more or less as a hobby. And some of them have no serious aspirations to come Winston Cup, but a lot of them do. It's a good training ground. We are just about one half lap away from going back to green in a single file restart in the ARCA 200. Ben Hess shows the way over Bobby Bauscher. Dorsey Schrader running in the third spot. Jimmy Horton is up in the fourth. And Collar Muscotten is showing in fifth. One driver who will not be seeing this restart on the racetrack is Charlie Glotzbach retiring moments ago. Let's get the word from the garage. Charlie, after being so dominant in the 1990 season finale in Atlanta, had some problems this week at Daytona. What's the problem? Well, you know, uh, we burned a piston earlier in the week and didn't get to qualify uh, the first day. And... So we got qualified yesterday and put another engine in for the race today. And uh, I don't know whether the ignition messed up on it or it just started missing real bad and didn't have no power. So uh, we didn't have no choice but park it. Veteran Charlie Glotzbach out of this afternoon's ARCA 200. Really hate to see him go to the garage here because, yeah. boy, he will put on a show. If he's got a car underneath him to get himself to the front, that's exactly where you'll find him. We've got a couple of cars that have pulled down out of line on this restart, and apparently they will be black flag. My understanding is on all these cautions that the restarts are single file. Indeed, until they have lapping on the racetrack, which we have not yet had. So the black flag flies as the green flag does. Doyle Ford waves the green at the entire field, and the backup flag and Jim Clark of ARCA waves the black flag at one of the slower cars on the inside of the racetrack. But we're back to green now, and the parade is back in at turn number one. Again, it's Ben Hess at the head of the pack with Bobby Bowser riding in the second spot. Dorsey Schrader is third, followed by Bobby Gearhart in fourth, and fifth is Carl Muscotten. All single file off turn two and on the backstretch. Trouble in turn number one. One, one car, car has hit the wall. A car slides up the banking, now rolls back down to the inside of the racetrack. It's the blue-colored machine, John Stradman of Cleveland Ohio. He rolls to the inside of the racetrack. Everyone else was able to get by. Caution is on the speedway. They don't get very much racing underway here before the yellow flag comes out again. And that car just broke loose back in the pack toward the tail end of the field. Hit the outside wall. Skittered down through some traffic and has come to rest on the apron of the track. Joe Moore? Similar to what happened to Bob Briefak a little bit earlier here at the same spot at the speedway. The car just went up the racetrack. Hit the wall. But in the case of this particular driver, the car hit head first. And there's a lot of front end damage to the car. Again, a good call to all the other arc drivers who got by without causing any problems. This was a one-car incident. The car now sits at the inside of the racetrack in turn two. So that'll give us a chance to catch up on some housekeeping here in the booth. The yellow fever really broken out here in the ARCA 200 in the early going this afternoon. 80 laps will comprise this race, and we've completed only 27. Mark Gibson has been in and out of the pit several times. They're now reporting his car to be five laps down. He had hoped to pull out a win here. Had a great run back here in February last year. The local driver from Daytona Beach, Florida, finished second in the ARCA 200 last year, but I don't think he's going to come to fruit for him this afternoon because he is five laps behind. And they're also showing Jimmy Horton, who we said a moment ago might have an engine problem still running in 15th position. Let's see if uh, Dick Brooks has been able to track down any information about uh, the performance on Horton's car. Dick? Well, Billy Wilburn, I guess, is a crew chief over on uh, Horton's car. Uh, different color uniform here. I had trouble running it down. But the car was having a little problem while ago. It seemed like he got it fixed now. Yeah, we, um, well, really no problem. We just wanted to stop and get some gas, make sure we could make it all the way. 
Uh, we're running a V6, a little bit different situation than most of the other cars run V8. So we just want to stop a little bit early and get some gas. What was the reason for running a V6 when everybody else was running the 8? Well, it, uh, there's a couple of advantages. You run a little bit bigger restrictor plate and uh, fuel mileage, weight. There's lots of advantages to running a V6 right now. Well, these guys have done it before, and they've uh, been around a long time, so I'm sure they're playing all their cards. We were talking about some of the differences between the V6s and the V8s as far as the ARCA rulebook is concerned. Uh, the V6 uh, cubic inch is 280 versus the 358 for the uh, V8-powered machines. The V6s use a 1 and 1 the restrictor plate. The V8s use a 15 16th of an inch uh, restrictor plate. The angle, though, on the rear spoiler is a minimum of 30. That's uh, regardless of uh, what you are using. So there are some uh, advantages, you would think, on paper for the V6. But uh, as Jimmy Horton laughed this morning, we mentioned it earlier, he said, you don't run on paper. He said, I understand that. He said, but on paper, he said, it should work to uh, use the V6 against all of these uh, eight-cylinder machines here at Daytona today. You know what's coming up in your area? The Winston Racing Series. Seems though we just talked about Max Prestwood Jr. winning the championship, and here is another season upon us. The NASCAR Winston Racing Series will be getting underway at racetracks all across America here over the next uh, month or so. Some of the outstanding short track racers will battle for the different regional championships and the NASCAR Winston Racing Series national title. If you'd like to find out about the NASCAR sanctioned track closest to you, you can write to the NASCAR Public Relations Office here in Daytona. Their address is Post Office Box 2875. Daytona Beach, Florida, and the zip is 32115, and those folks will be glad to send you the name, address, and the schedule of the Winston Racing Series track nearest to your home. John Stratman hit the wall up in turns one and two a moment ago to bring out this current caution flag, and Joe Moore, what's the situation over there? He's already climbed out of the car and got one of the safety vehicles. He's gone back to the garage area. They had to bring the row back up. Now they've loaded his car and is now taking it back to the garage area as well. Things are cleared up. We're just about ready to go back racing here in turn two. They're giving the field the indication, and one more lap they will go back to green let's give you the running order here as 29 30 laps have just come up on the scoreboard ben hess being posted as a leader bobby Boucher is second dorsey schrader is third bobby gerhardt runs fourth carl miscotton runs in fifth bob keselowski is sixth dale mcdowell seventh ken reagan is eighth cecil Eunice ninth keith wade is tenth carrie teague has fallen back to 11th position bobby woods is being posted 12th 13th is Graham Taylor, and he started way back toward the tail end of the field, so he's had a good run here this afternoon. David Boggs is 15th, or 14th, rather, and Jimmy Horton currently round out the top 15. Yeah, Graham Taylor had to get on a provisional starting spot. He has tried to appear in Winston Cup races over the uh, over the past, uh, primarily up north. We'll see him at Dover, at Pocono, occasionally at Michigan, and he tries and has succeeded to get into the field on occasion and had to use a provisional here today. As we get set to go back to green, let's check in with Winston Kelly. He has been standing near the infield care center for the last while. Jerry Cook walked in under his own power, Eli, and one of his family members came out just a moment ago and told some of the crew members that he is okay. He may have a broken right index finger, but other than that, Jerry Cook is okay, and he's still in the infield care center. Well, that is good news about uh, the driver who was involved in the accident on lap number 20. Tore up his race car pretty well, but uh, Cook is doing uh, pretty well, as we understand now, from Winston Kelly. Forming up for the restart in front of Fred Armstrong in turn four. Well, it's two by two again. Some of the lap cars have decided to come down to the inside of the banking. Right behind the Pontiac safety car, the car is on the lead lap. Up front there is Ben Hess as they come down for the green flag. 
That Pontiac pace car will be going on to pit road. We'll get back under green here in just a moment. Hopefully we can race a while now because we've had about three caution flags within the last 12 or 15 laps here. Pontiac pace car hits pit road. We'll go back to full song as they come down to the line. Green flag is in the air, and Ben Hess takes off. Bobby Bowser tries to hang with him. He won't be able to do it. He drops back just a little bit as they scramble for the lead down in turn one. Dorsey Schrader rides about four car lengths back in the third position. He's followed by Bobby Gearhart and Carl Biscotten, all single file through the banking of turn number one. Now Bobby Bowser looks to the inside of the race leader as they come off turn number two. No room to make a move there. There's a slower car down to the inside. The leaders will go to the high side of the racetrack trying to clear some of that lap traffic. They pulled up in the double file restart. The front three will clear that car as they come to the entrance of turn three. Still Ben Hess, Bowser, and Schrader single file. Schrader takes a look to the inside of Bowser and Bowser likewise trying to take a look to the inside of Ben Hess but they'll all stay single file. Schrader starts to fall off the pace of the leaders just a little bit as they come off turn four. One car tagged the outside retaining wall between turns three and four, but everybody continues on their way without any problem. Ben Hess is the race leader. Bobby Bowser is second. Dorsey Schrader running in third as that one car now cuts across race traffic and heads toward the pit lane. We remain under green, but it was a close call for Donnie Moran, the uh, driver who campaigns the uh, Mopar here. He is the Chrysler driver as he brings his car down to the attention of the crew on pit road. The leaders are heading up towards Alan. And two-thirds of the way down to the end of the back straightaway right now. Ben Hess opening up about four car lengths on the Bobby Bowser machine. Bobby Bowser slides up the banking just a bit. And now Ben Hess digs his machine right down low, as does Bowser. Dorsey Trader still trying to catch up with the front two. Three cars out there in the lead draft all by themselves. It's a couple of seconds back to fourth, fifth, and sixth in single file racing here in the front straightaway. Alan Bestwick, we were talking on a commercial break just a moment ago, sitting here in the tower and looking over in your vicinity of the racetrack, going off into turn number three. We have seen an awful lot of cars go in very low. It looks like they're having a hard time keeping that car down on the racetrack. They're just shooting right up toward the outside retaining wall over there. Well, you know, we've talked a couple of times today about the transition from the banking onto the straightaway off of turn number four. And this is just the opposite of that. This is the transition from the flat straightaway into the banking of turn number three. And they're not also being helped by the fact that we've got a pretty good stiff wind blowing here from turn number one across into turn number three. And just as the car begins to turn sideways up into the banking, a good gust of wind is catching it on the left rear quarter. That might not be helping some of these cars either. The front three cars continue to pull away as we work back to the stripe here on the 33rd of 80 lap. It's going to be Ben Hess, Bobby Bowser, and Dorsey Schrader. The differential from third place back to fourth place Bobby Gerhardt is two and a half seconds on pit road right now. What was a quick stop for Doc Watson in the Del McCowart car now becomes a bit more of a lengthy stay on the pit lane. The former boxer now has his car creeping away from his pit stall and back onto the racetrack. Here at Daytona International Speedway, the ARCA 200 is three laps shy of halfway. Ben Hess leads now by some seven or eight car lengths on Bobby Bowser and Dorsey Schrader. They, in turn, now have some four and a half seconds on Bobby Gerhardt, who is running in tandem with uh, the Jimmy Horton machine. Dale McDowell is also there in that tight pack of traffic. Mark Gibson and Tim Hepler have just taken their cars behind the wall. The attrition rate has grown here in a hurry. 
Farrell Harris is out for the afternoon. He was in an accident, as was Bob Brevac and Red Farmer. Rusty Johnson lost an engine. Mike Davis with a broken axle. Jerry Cook and David Simco were in accidents. Charlie Glotzbach had an engine failure. Billy Simmons lost the gearbox. Ron Burchett had engine failure. John Stratman was in an accident. And now uh, Mark Gibson and Tim Hepler both uh, taking their cars behind the wall as the leaders come back to the strike. Well, the front three are running nose to tail. No problem there. They have a little bit of daylight between those three positions. But from fourth place on back, that is a real scramble as they head back down into turn number one. They've been swapping the lead back and forth in that pack of traffic. And I've been really surprised. Boy, they've gotten awfully close to the wall, Joe Moore, in both ends of this racetrack. Been some real close calls here coming off turn number two. That settled down just a bit. The fourth position being held by Jimmy Horton. In fifth is Dale McDowell. But a good battle continues for six as Ken Reagan's trying to hold off Kerry T. Jimmy Horton has been the real show in that group of cars. He started at the back of that pack when we went back to green. Now he's leading that pack. The problem is nobody's able to keep up with him, and he's got a long way to go with no drafting help to catch the leaders. Still a good tussle between Reagan and Teague. Teague will take it right down to the bottom of the racetrack, trying to get around the Reagan machine, but Reagan will defend as he comes off four. It is halfway. The crossed flags shown by Doyle Ford to the leaders as they come by the start-finish line, and the advantage is continuing to grow. It is 7.03 seconds from the front three cars back to fourth place Jimmy Horton as Horton tries to find some help as he works his way around this racetrack quick reminder to those of you here in the Daytona Beach area 11 consecutive nights of racing underway right now at Volusia County Speedway in Barberville that's about 15 miles from right here in Daytona Beach and uh, the racing in Volusia County culminates with the second annual Winston National Invitation Showdown there's $50,000 on the line February the 16th Curtis Markham was the man who uh, showed the way there a year ago, the driver from Fredericksburg, Virginia. So if you're in the Daytona Beach area or planning on joining us here during this week upcoming, don't forget nighttime racing in Volusia County Speedway in Barberville. Another car has gone behind the wall and headed to the garage area. Dave Weltmeyer apparently is retiring his car for the day. Outstanding run going on here at Daytona in the ARCA 200 this afternoon for young driver Bobby Bowser. Now, he comes from a racing background. His father, Jack, has been racing some 25 or 30 years. In fact, both of his brothers also have been in and out of race cars. I had a chance to chat with him yesterday. He had a pretty good year last year on some of the short tracks, but had just terrible uh, luck, and everything happened to him that seemed to uh, was on the super speedways. But today he's having a good run. And he talks about running Daytona. No, you're not. you got to stay up with them guys. And the tighter you keep with them, the better off you'll be. You know, you drop out of line and you're just going to go backwards. He's talking about staying up there in the draft. And he said the first time he came to a super speedway like Atlanta or Talladega, he was just a lot apprehensive about getting up there with the air currents buffeting the car around. But apparently the way he's getting around here this afternoon, he's getting it done. He is getting it done. And so, too, is Dorsey Schrader, who, although he has run this racetrack in the Jack Roush Mustangs over the years and the Cougars in IMSA competition, this is a whole different animal. The the draft is something that Dorsey Schrader knew about. Are you comfortable? with it yet, Dorsey? Yeah, you know, from IROC last year and and, uh, and what practices that we've done, Mark Martin and I went out and drafted together. Quite honestly, the draft, for me, I like. You know, it, it's, it gets my adrenaline going running up close with somebody like that. I'm not sure yet, you know, on our car setup, what it's going to do to the car. It's a little disconcerting when they move you around. We went out in the IROC cars the other day and little Al and Mark Martin and I went out and I had a car that was pretty loose, and Mark got up underneath and took the window off the spoiler, and I got real crossed up, up in two. So uh, I knew I didn't like that a great deal. So uh, we're going to have a little bit tighter car than that for the race, we hope. 
Those are the thoughts of Dorsey Schrader, and his car is running awfully well right now in an impressive third-place run behind the race leader, Ben Hess. Most of these drivers have adapted pretty well to the draft, and it, the, most of them that you talk to will tell you that it takes about three races here to run in at least packs of traffic of three, four, five, six cars till you really get comfortable because running with one car, it, the car reacts one way. Running with two and three cars, it reacts another. And then when you get right in the middle of a 10- or 12-car train, uh, things change again. So it does take a pretty long time at Daytona in all kinds of situations to, to be very comfortable in that draft. The laps go on the board. 44 of the 80 in the ARCA 200 are complete here this afternoon. As they continue to wind around, Ben Hess sets the pace over in turn two. Bobby Bowser still sits in the second spot. He's about two car lengths behind the race leader. Then three car lengths back. The third place car of Dorsey Schrader. Those three running now about half a straightaway behind the next lap. Traffic deal encounter. Meanwhile, Jimmy Horton is another half the length of the back straightaway back off of the leaders now trying to pick up a draft from Dale McDowell. Meanwhile, also Bobby Bowser now takes his car up on the banking. Ben Hess tries to defend down low. Bowser got a real good jump on him, but now Dorsey, Dorsey Schrader will tighten it up as they come off turn number four. Looks like there's a problem with Bowser. Bowser is going to pit and he'll follow the uh, slower car in front of him, or rather the race leader now, Ben Hess. Hess comes on to pit road. Bobby Bowser comes on to pit road. This is on lap number 46. Meanwhile, Dorsey Schrader pulls away, so Bowser and Hess are in. Let's cover their stops. Well, it doesn't seem to be a problem with Bowser's car. They just uh, washing the windshield off, going to uh, fuel the car up. Uh, I don't think there's a problem with either one of the cars. I think they're just going to uh, take on fuel and let them go. I know they're... These would be routine pit stops. Now, remember, some of the guys have pitted under these cautions a little bit earlier, but neither one of these cars, at least in the record-keeping I'm doing here in the tower, have made a pit stop. So they've gone a little over 100 miles, and now they come in and make a pit stop and go back onto the racetrack. And we're starting to see that Jimmy Horton master plan come into focus. We had talked about him going with a V6. He said he'd like to stop early for fuel and then hopefully be able to pull away. Well, when he stopped back on lap number 22, it put him back a little bit, but now now he is uh, comfortably in the lead and about to lap Dorsey Schrader, who had to come in and make a pit stop a short while ago. So at least for the moment, Barney, that uh, that Jimmy Horton master plan is coming together. Seems to be at this juncture of the race. Let's get some more updates on some of those pit stops. Jim Phillips. Dorsey Schrader come by my position. He looked like he had some damage to his grill section, which is going to affect his car uh, just a little bit. Donnie Moran continues to come on pit road. He's been on about three times. What happens when you hit the wall here at Daytona? A lot of times the rear end gets knocked over in the car toward the left side. That's what happened to his car. Also, Dale McDowell has been in on pit road. He's got gasoline. He's back out now. Kerry Teague, who's having a pretty good run this afternoon, also made a pit stop there just a moment ago and has gone back on the speedway. And Bobby Gerhardt made a stop. He's had a good run here today. Very likable young driver, Gerhardt, having a good run. Hope to have a good finish. He said if he could finish the top five, he would be happy. Kerry Teague is the uh, fellow who won that sportsman race, NASCAR's new sportsman division. He won the spring race at the Charlotte Motor Speedway a year ago, and I was talking with Kerry yesterday about uh, his first ever time on the racetrack here at Daytona. I said, you like the place? Are you comfortable? I'll tell you what's truth, Eli. Ever since we've got here, I've been comfortable with the car. Uh, we ran fast, uh, I compare the car a lot with the sportsman car that we run over at Charlotte with the because these are restrictor plate motors and they've not got a ton of horsepower. So I felt real comfortable with it. 
Thoughts of driver Kerry Teague. Meanwhile, there's a car slow in front of Joe Moore, and there, there seems to be a reason why there, Joe. A little bit of, uh, well, I'll tell you what it is now. I was going to say a piece of sheet metal, but it's actually the fuel tank that's hanging out on David Boggs' car. He's dropped to the inside of the racetrack and is trying to make a way back, back around to the front. The fuel can after he was uh, on pit road for service. Evidently, the uh, can never did disengage from the uh, quick fill uh, hole on the uh, rear of the car, so he's uh, limping his way around the racetrack, and he'll have the crew remove that uh, filler can as we continue under green here at Daytona. 51 laps are on the board right now. Jimmy Horton is the race leader. Here comes to the pit road, the car that Joe was telling you about moments ago, David Boggs with the uh, gas can dangling ever so precariously to the left rear of the automobile. The crew will jump over the wall, remove the can, and uh, Boggs will receive the appropriate penalties here from the ARCA officials before being able to return to the race. On the uh, leaderboard right now, running in second spot, is Scott Hansen, a driver from Green Bay, Wisconsin, who drives the Air Orlando Chevrolet. That's a car owned by Ken Schrader, the Winston Cup driver. Kenny Schrader had been talking to the folks at Air Orlando about some sponsorship, and they said, well, we couldn't really participate in Winston Cup racing. And then Kenny said, how about ARCA? And they hooked up that way, and Ken has uh, gotten Scott Hansen into the car, and he has been running around uh, 13th or 14th much of the day. He has now moved up into second by virtue of the uh, pit stops as they fall right now. Kenny enjoys being a car owner. He spends an awful lot of time over in the ARCA garage when they run different races in conjunction with the Winston Cup teams, and he likes to go over there and, and help those guys and give them some pointers and whatever. A couple of more pit stops happening right now. Ron Keselowski is on pit road, and we're also seeing a couple other cars that were in there just a moment ago. Now, these, these would be routine pit stops, as we said. We're just past the halfway point, 53 laps complete of the 80 that make up the ARCA 200 this afternoon. They swing around here continuing. Jimmy Horton right now has everything pretty much to his liking. As we pointed out when we first came on the air this afternoon, he had great success on just about all the super speedways that the ARCA cars went to last year. He won here at Daytona. He won at Atlanta. He won at, uh, at Pocono. And just he felt like he could come back here and just have a little bit of luck today. And so far, everything is played right into Jimmy Horton's hands. But there's still an awful lot of racing left. Let's go down to pit road. Jim Phillips? Well, Ron Keselowski, Marty a routine stop for him this time because they're pushing the Chevrolet behind the pit lane. He has some damage to the left front of his automobile, uh, the front uh, air dam on his car, but they are pushing his car all the way behind the garage, going to the garage area right now. And just a moment ago, uh, Glenn Brewer, he made a pit stop. It was a regular pit stop for him, just gasoline, and he went back onto the speedway. So Bob Keselowski's car, I called him Ron a moment ago, my mistake, Bob Keselowski's machine has been pushed behind the pit wall, and the attrition rate has been pretty severe here in the ARCA race. It's all happened in the last 15 or 20 laps. Keselowski has gone behind the wall. Dave Weltmeyer is out. Tim Hepler, Mark Gibson, John Straitman, who hit the wall up in turn number one. David Semko's car has retired. Ron Burchett's car is out. Jerry Cook had some problems. Charlie Glotzback has gone to the garage. Mike Davis, Rusty Johnson, Red Farmer, Bob Brevac, and Farrell Harris. A lot of the top contenders that had a shot to win here today. Exactly. A lot of guys who really were the odds-on favorites. Let's update you on the medical condition of a couple of drivers. Jerry Cook, who we heard from Winston Kelly, was basically doing okay in the infield care center. He does have a fractured right forefinger, but 
uh, he has been uh, treated and released from the infield care center with uh, just that injury. Red Farmer is complaining of bruised ribs and a tender left ankle. The x-rays that they've done here at the track did not show anything, but they have uh, taken him across the street to the Halifax Medical Center for further x-rays and uh, check over there. But uh, that's the update on both Jerry Cook and Red Farmer. Scary piece of driving, but it comes out just fine for Cecil Eunice as he exited turn four in front of Fred Armstrong. He's just coming down to the inside of the racetrack, Eli, and he got a tire down on that apron, and when you do that, it really unsettles the car. And then as he was exiting the corner, once again, it's a really weird transition, and Cecil Eunice just got sideways, and he spun. He pretty much had no traffic around him. Anybody that was by him got on by him, so no incident there. Good piece of driving by Cecil Eunice. And the car is in one piece on pit road, and they're working on it right now, but the yellow flag is on the racetrack, and this will be the fifth one of the day. Comes out on lap 57. He's another one of those veterans we've talked about. Cecil Eunice had top 10 finishes at Pocono. He's finished in the top 10 at Michigan. He has run ninth at Talladega. So uh, he's another of those veterans who even ran some Winston, excuse me, uh, Bush Grand National races late last year. So Cecil Eunice, a super job getting that car back under control here. But we are under caution for the fifth time. Hey, from the Daytona International Speedway, this is MRN Radio. We're back at the Daytona International Speedway. 58 laps are now completed. The 80 that will make up the ARCA 200. We're working caution for the fifth time when Cecil Eunice had problems coming off turn number four and spun the car some uh, thousand feet or better, kept it in a good straight line, didn't hit anything, made a pit stop, and will be able to continue this race. We can take you back through the running order. We haven't had one from uh, scoring in the last 15 or 20 laps, but just before this round of pit stops, uh, why don't we run you through the field a little bit and tell you where some of your favorite drivers might be running. Ben Hess was leading at about lap 45. Bobby Bowser was riding second. Dorsey Schroeder, Schrader was running third, fourth. Jimmy Horton, Dale McDowell was fifth. Ken Reagan was sixth. He's had a pretty steady run here today. Kerry Teague was being posted seventh at that time. Carl Miscotton was eighth. Bobby Gerhardt, ninth. Cecil Eunice, who spawned just a moment ago to put us under caution, was tenth. The eleventh position, Bob Keselowski, that has changed because he has gone behind the wall with his car, so that will drop him out of the running order and move Scott Hansen up into the eleventh position. Keith Wade would be posted twelfth, thirteenth, Bobby Woods, Graham Taylor, fourteenth, and fifteenth, Joe Nimrowski in sixteenth position, Patty Simcoe Shack, seventeenth, Dave. David Boggs, 18th, Roy Payne, and 19th, Jerry Hill. That would be the way they'd been running uh, some 10 or 12 laps ago, and that hasn't changed a whole lot. You know, there are a lot of uh, car owners who you respect in the garage area, fellows who've been around a long, long time, fellows who have won championships. Jack Roush, obviously one of those. Jack has won some 22 championships in different forms of racing over the years, and he is particularly high on Dorsey Schrader, the young driver who qualified on the pole here, and will be doing some racing in Bush Series and Winston Cup competition competition for Jack this year, and I, I told Dorsey, I said, Jack Roush is awfully high in your ability. There's no question about it. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jack. You know, uh, when he started looking at a second Winston Cup car, I told him I'd really like a, a shot at uh, getting an opportunity to drive that car, and I really don't think that would have ever matured had not I gone to the IROC series last year, got down there in Talladega and started bump drafting with Mark Martin and mixing it up with those guys, and Mark, you know, they all laughed at it, they said, boy, I guess he might be okay, so uh, Jack has helped me, he put me on with Lucky Compton, he's got uh, the Valvoline and Napa situation, he's helped us get that put together, so 
You know, we're really looking uh, toward 1992 as a full Winston Cup uh, effort, hopefully. Interesting, though. Dorsey is 37 years old. Not that that's old because I'm 37 and I'm uh, uh, and I, I'm certainly not old. But uh, Dorsey, oh, yeah. <laughs> but Dorsey said it is a now or never opportunity for him, and he's uh, going to make the best of it. Let's check in with Winston Kelly in the garage. We've been standing with Mark Gibson, who will not repeat his last year's run. Had an outstanding run last year. Finished second. What happened today, Mark? Must have run over some debris and knocked the oil pump belt off. The motor will still run, but we can't take a chance on blowing. He don't know what kind of damage is already done. So that's that's the way racing is. So Daytona Beach native Mark Gibson is out this afternoon. Also standing alongside us is Bob Keselowski, who also just went out of the race. Bob, what happened to your car? Well, apparently uh, the screens got plugged up on a grill and uh, with papers and debris, and uh, we overheated it. And I, it was running hot. I backed out of the draft a little bit to try to cool it. We were running as high as six here one time, but... Uh, I backed it down out of the draft, and it still wouldn't come down. Finally, we come in to make our normal pit stop, and they cleaned the grill, but it was too late. It, uh, when I left the pits, it was smoking, and uh, apparently we burned a piston or something. So 15 of the 42 cars out of this afternoon's ARCA 200. We'd also like to report that John Straitman, who was involved in an earlier caution, also went to the infield care center, walked under his own power. He has not come out yet, but he is okay. And that's good news. Field forming up for a double-file restart out of turn number four, and they ought to be some real racing at the front of the pack, at least for several laps here as we're getting on down toward the tail end of this thing in the ARCA 200. Just 20 laps remain. The leader is Jimmy Horton. Right behind him, a very aggressive young driver and has the equipment to get it done and pull off a win here this afternoon, Ben Hess. Riding third right now is Bobby Bauscher. Kerry Teague, the rookie driver, is fourth as they put him under green and haul it down the front straightaway. Little jockeying three wide back in the pack as different drivers try to get position up in front of Joe Moore in turn one. Jimmy Horton jumps out by three car lengths now over Ben Hess. Further back, a couple of cars shuffling around. The Bobby Bauscher car, he's trapped back behind two slower cars. He'll work to the inside of one of those. That's a Ken Reagan machine. Now Bowser pulls up on the Dorsey Schrader car in turn two. Schrader having lost a lap on his green flag pit stop a while ago. Falls back quite a good distance off the lead two. Here comes Bowser down to the inside now, trying desperately not to lose contact with Horton and Van Hess as they enter turn three. Bowser will complete the pass as he hits turn three. Reagan will go along with him, but meanwhile, it's uh, the front two have been able to skitter away as Van Hess comes off the corner. Right behind him, a charging Bobby Bowser. Bobby Bowser trying to close in from about a dozen car lanes back. But at the point right now, Jimmy Horton and Ben Hess, those two cars tied tightly together. Hess draws to within a half car lane to the race lead here in the ARCA 200. They're back in turn one. Hess will try to make his move to the outside around Jimmy Horton in turn one. That's not going to work. Both cars take this identical line through turn number two. Still enjoying about a five-car length lead over the third-place car of Bobby Bowser. A couple of Chevrolets at the head of the field now as they come back down to the back straightaway. They've got a good 10 car lengths over the Bobby Bowser car, although Bowser is beginning to reel that distance in now as they reach the end of the stretch. Jimmy Horton takes it right down to the bottom of the racetrack. Ben Hess will follow him. Now Horton drifts up the banking just a bit. Hess trying to take advantage of that situation. He'll look down to the inside as they come off four. Ben Hess trying to work around and get underneath Jimmy Horton. He won't be able to do it. Horton is a good super speedway driver. We watched him all last year when he ran different racetracks. He's very smooth and a very heads-up race driver. I'm kind of surprised that somebody didn't tap him to drive a Winston Cup car this year as he leads the ARCA 200 here at Daytona with 63 laps complete. Some pretty good competition uh, in the ARCA race right now. Three cars are locked up in a tussle for the lead and a little further back the rest of the field kind of scrambling for what's left as the front three work out of turn number four and come back down to the line. They're chasing Jimmy Horton who has been 
just unbelievable on super speedways all the year 1990 and wants to start out 1991 as a winner. Ben Hess right behind him and Bobby Bowser beginning to get a little itchy, Joe Moore, like he wants to take the lead away from the front two up there. Boy, Bowser has done a good job. After the restart, he had found himself trapped back behind traffic and had to work his way to catch up with the front two. He is now there, and it's a three-car breakaway here as they go around slower in traffic in turn two. Clean racetrack ahead as they come down the back straightaway. Still running bumper to bumper is Horton and Hess. Then about three car lengths back to the Bobby Bowser car. They'll approach the slowing car of Rusty Johnson on the apron of turn three. Horton takes it right down to the bottom of the racetrack as the traffic begins to become a factor. Horton will drift up the banking a bit, just about to the same place in the apex of the corner. He always does. Hess took a quick peek to the inside, but no room to make the move. Jimmy Horton still leads through the trial area, back to the start-finish line. Lap 68 goes up on the board, a dozen remaining. Barney and I were just talking up here in the booth about Jimmy Horton and why it is he doesn't have a Winston Cup ride. He only, he said to us this morning, he had only one team talk to him about a serious Winston Cup opportunity for this 1991 season. That was a a team that is only a part-time campaigner at best. And they said to Jimmy, if you are ready to test our cars, that's all fine and dandy. But if somebody shows up with a sponsor, even if it's the day before the Daytona 500, you're out and he's in. And uh, not to mention the car owner in question, but suffice to say, Jimmy weighed his options and said there really isn't a whole heck of a lot of opportunity there. He said, I could be out at any time without any warning, and he decides to stay put where he is. But he's got his hands full now. Ben Hess trying to make a run at Horton for the lead. He looks to the inside in the trioval area, but Horton takes that spot away with 10 laps to go as they head back into turn number one. They'll swing around the slower car of Donnie Moran, climbing the banking of turn number one. Horton leads by two car lengths. Now here comes Hess again. He dives to the inside, pulls up alongside Horton off turn two. The black car of Ben Hess on the inside, the white car of Jimmy Horton on the outside. It's a drag race down to the end of the back straightaway. Bobby Bosher still sits three car lengths back. Dead even at the end of the straightaway. Now Horton noses out in front just a tick in turn three. But Ben Hess will battle back to the low side of the racetrack. Horton unable to stick down low, so Horton will drift up the banking. Ben Hess grabs the lead of the ARCA 200. Time to make a move here in the ARCA 200. Apparently, he feels that the young driver, Ben Hess, has put himself out front right now. Horton settles back into the second spot. Bobby Bowser tried to put a move on him at the start-finish line to scoot in there and take over the number two position. He couldn't do it. Takes another look down in turn one. Those front three cars have to go single file to the outside, getting around one of the slower cars. Again, it's Hess leading the way. Horton has the second spot. Two car links back to Bobby Bowser. Single file. They make their way off turn two. And crank it up one more time. Down Daytona's long back straightaway a good distance ahead before they encounter any more lap traffic. Still Ben Hess, Jimmy Horton, bumper to bumper. Then four car links back to Bobby Bowser. Horton able to cut that down to about one car length, but Ben Hess is able to take his machine right down to the bottom of the racetrack. And again, Jimmy Horton slides up the banking, and now Bobby Bowser comes in to battle for second. Bowser trying to look to the inside. He is there alongside Jimmy Horton. They are trailing the race leader, Ben Hess, by about three and a half car lengths at the stripe. Second place is still Horton's, but now as Jimmy swings to the outside, retaining wall, going to turn number one, Bowser makes his move to the inside. Bowser is there right alongside Jimmy Horton. This the second place battle through turn one on to turn number two. Still dead even the battle for the second spot. Neither one giving a bit as Hess still leads the way. And they begin to approach some lap traffic as Chris Gerke's car moves down to the low groove on the back straightaway. Horton moves Bowser down low to try and use that lap car as a pick and it will work as he enters turn number three. Bowser has to back
back off. Wharton takes it up to the middle of the racetrack, as does Boucher. Ben Hess, in the meantime, has been able to scoot away from both of those cars. He's got about five car lengths as they come off four. And that door-to-door racing allowed Ben Hess to get away a little bit. Now, Boucher said yesterday he thought he could win this thing. I think so. You know, I really do. Yeah, I take in a lot of lot of moves that Charlie does. I had a lot of time to you know look things over last year, but I think the car is going to be pretty strong. You know, if everything holds together and we don't have no flats, we'll be in good shape. He's in good shape right now. They're back to turn two. Sitting in the third spot is Bobby Bowser. He's about two car lengths behind the second-place car of Jimmy Horton. And they run with a clean racetrack ahead again as they come down the back straightaway. The next lap traffic almost half a mile ahead of them now. Horton moves right up on Ben Hess's back bumper as they hit the banking. Horton takes it down to the bottom of the racetrack, but Ben Hess digs in down low. He'll defend that inside line. Now Bobby Bowser will catch up. They're just about equal distance apart as they come off turn number four. They come back towards the stripe. They'll complete lap number 72 this time. Ben Hess, who won this event back in 1989 and then backed it up with the win at Atlanta, now sees Jimmy Horton challenge for the lead. Horton draws inside of Hess to turn one. And goes by. Horton does in turn number one, taking the inside line. Hess will have none of that. He comes back. Ben Hess down to the inside of Jimmy Horton. The lead battle off turn two. Side by side. Ben Hess to the inside. Jimmy Horton to the outside as one car goes up and smoking now spins on the back straightaway one car off the racetrack mark thompson spins around backwards into the infield grass he'll not hit anything he straightens the car out as the lead battle rages on in turn three down low is ben s just a nose advantage as jimmy horton goes up the banking but now bobby boucher takes advantage and he'll battle it out with horton as well they're going to race back to the finish line because caution is on the speedway here they come and there's a lap car directly in front they may stack them three wide and horton is going to come across in the number one spot ben hess will come across in the number two spot in Bobby Boucher as this caution comes out puts him back to third 74 laps are complete in the ARCA 200 here we may have a great finish in this one yet let's get an update from Alan Bestwick how uh, serious uh, repair job or anything have they got to do on the Mark Thompson car Alan not much at all Eli what happened was as Thompson's car was coming down the back straightaway the motor was obviously seizing up on him he was already off the throttle and he was already on the apron of the racetrack when the thing finally let go and the oil got down underneath his tires so he spun immediately off the racing surface into the grass, spun about a 1,000 feet or so, never hit anything inside or out, and the car just sits in the infield grass now already uh, with a wrecker pulling up to it. There should be little or no problem with the racing surface on the back straightaway, although they will go out and check it, so we should be able to get back to green to finish this. It'll be five to go the next time the field comes by the start-finish line. They'll get that indication from Doyle Ford. If you want to see more of this kind of racing, it's turned out to be a super run for the finish here for the ARCA Permatech Series. Don't forget, next stop is the Atlanta Motor Speedway on the 16th of March. That's part of the Winston Cup weekend at uh, Atlanta. Then on April the 28th, the Kill Care Speedway in Xenia, Ohio. They run 125 laps there. The Talladega Super Speedway hosts the ARCA series on May the 4th on May 25th that's Flat Rock Speedway in Michigan and the next day May 26th Toledo Ohio hosting the ARCA series in June, June 7th it's Milwaukee, Wisconsin June 15th Pocono International Raceway for 150 miles June 22nd Michigan International Speedway and the month of June wraps up June 28th at Kilcare Speedway in Xenia Ohio and June 29th Flat Rock Speedway in Michigan, that's where 
where the ARCA series will run their first half of the schedule. And it's going to be a dandy season the way things are shaping up right here for this ARCA series. I'll tell you, they have a tough series because they go to little short tracks, little bull rings all over the country, much like NASCAR did some 20 or 25 years ago. They run a and couple dirt come, races. Yeah, and then they come to the super speedway. So we're talking to some of the different ARCA drivers here, and they say, you know, our schedule is like a, well, like Alabama, you know, playing some of the tougher teams, but then they play some easy ones exactly. and then they play some tough ones, pretty much like college ball or anything else. But they're very versatile race drivers, and most of them, uh, as we pointed out, have done a great job here today. I've been very impressed with the way they contain themselves and, and the accidents that we've seen without locking the cars down. That We've seen that a lot in the past, but I think the experience is beginning to pay off for the ARCA teams. We are under caution with some five laps remaining in the ARCA 200. Now, apparently, they will be able to get this racetrack back under green. Alan Bestwick still look good over there? Yeah, cleanup truck has already made one pass, Barney. They're going back just to double-check the safety apron on the inside of the backstretch again. The wrecker is hooked up to Thompson's car and is now pulling it back behind the wall here on the back straightaway. Thompson climbed out of the car and got into the ambulance. They'll take that back through the infield for the mandatory trip to the care center as well. I don't know who I'd pick of the front three that's up there right now because they've all at a, at a given point in this race today displayed an awful lot of muscle and, a, and the car has been working well through both ends of the racetrack. Could be either one of them. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be these three now because the field's going to be able to close up right behind them. I think uh, the the best guess might have to be either Horton or Hess because they have both won on super speedways, whereas Bobby Bowser is not. Kerry Teague is maybe doing the, the most surprising job of any. Here's a guy who's at Daytona for the very first time out of NASCAR Sportsman Division. And I, when I talked to him about it the other day, I said, uh, you almost sound like you're overconfident, Kerry. No, I'll tell you, it's, it's just a difference between... Uh I've been racing for about seven years, and this is the first year, I guess, I really reached out to get me uh, a crew chief that knows what's going on with these cars. And Dick's making my job easy for me, believe it or not. I mean, he's making me look good. The car is really driving. It's like a Cadillac. I mean, I just sit in and turn the wheel, and it goes. That's Kerry Teague. He's running in third right now. Scott Hansen, who drives Kenny Schrader's car, is in fourth. Roy Payne from Hueytown, Alabama, going for Rookie of the Year honors this year in ARCA. He is running in sixth, ahead of Joan Nimrosky in seventh, and Patty Simcoe Schacht, who, as you mentioned at the outset of the show, Barney, is uh, back after taking a year off with the birth of uh, Priscilla Ann Schacht, and uh, Patty Simcoe having a, a super run here today as the field gets the one-to-go signal. One more lap and they will go back to green to conclude the ARCA 200 here at Daytona. As you pointed out, a lot of action left in Speed Weeks in 1991 here with a, the Gatorade Twin 125 qualifying races coming up on Thursday afternoon. To me, those have always been two of the best shows at Daytona. I'll, I probably get as pumped up to watch those two shows as I do the Daytona 500. 45 minutes of flat-out racing each time by. It's, it's tough to miss on those. Uh, Davey Allison, of course, having already won the pole for the Daytona 500 by STP. He and Ernie Irvin will be uh, running in the Twin 125, sponsored by Gatorade here on Thursday. And it's uh, a critical race, obviously. That's how you establish the starting lineup for next Sunday's Daytona 500 by STP. That will be Thursday at 12 noon Eastern time, our broadcast coverage. Then we're on the air next Saturday with the season opener for the Bush Grand National Cars, the Goodies 300, again 12 noon. And then one week from today, the Daytona 500 by STP, also 12 noon Eastern time. But right now, we're down to the final three and a half laps to settle this ARCA 200. 
field in the middle of the backstretch with a Pontiac pace car at the head of the field as they move up to Allen Bestwick. Allen, you've been out there and had a chance to watch how those cars are handling and working in the corner of the front three up there. Who's got the best shot? Well, I think they're all pretty well even, Barney. Twice we've seen Horton pass Hess and Hess pass Horton on the back straightaway here, and both times it's been a real drag race in a dogfight. I think really what it's going to come down to is who gets underneath and gets the bottom groove in turn three on that last lap. I think that's who's going to have the upper hand. Field is moving over to Fred Armstrong. Well, you know, Ben Hess has been able to uh, outmaneuver Horton uh, for the, about the last 10 or 15 laps here in turn four, so that may be the key. Hess is able to put his car right down to the bottom of the racetrack, as is Bowser. Horton having a little trouble sticking down low, so it's going to get awful interesting down here as we wind down to the final laps. Well, Jimmy Horton has had more success on the super speedways than young Ben Hess, but I doubt if there's a driver out there anymore right now pumped up to win than Ben Hess would be or Bobby Bowser. We're about to find out. Pace car is on pit road, double file. Restart as they come down the green flag is in the air and they stack them three wide and Horton gets lost in the shuffle and Carl Miscotton gets slammed into the wall just T-boned in there and cars are going everywhere. There's going to be at least four, five, maybe six cars with severe sheet metal damage. Eli? When Jimmy Horton didn't come up to speed, that brought about one problem. Then Bobby Gerhardt tried to avoid Carl Miscotton and seemed to tag him totally inadvertently in the rear. That turned Miscotton into the wall. Now those cars were still going slowly enough that although they there is damage to those machines. It does not seem to be uh, severe, but it does put out the caution. And we could be looking at the race for the lead and the win right here. The field is in turn three. Down to the bottom of the racetrack goes Bobby Bowser. Now Teague tried to make a move, but Ben Hess has pulled out to about two car lengths. Teague once again tries to pass Bowser for second as they head down to the stripe. They head towards the stripe. The caution flag is flying. Ben Hess leads. Bowser second. Kerry Teague third. Jimmy Horton will move up to fourth spot. There was another car there, but showing a lap down was Dale McDowell on our last rundown. So Jimmy Horton does take fourth after not able to come up to speed on the restart. Now, that certainly would not... uh, necessarily indicate the finish but it's darn close Barney because that was lap 78 and they will get the white flag here this next time by so that was for the win right there Ben Hess will pick up the victory under caution for all practical purposes it will be we will see quite a bit of debris and sheet metal all over the racetrack as those cars slammed in the wall Carl Miss Cotton really got tagged into that outside wall did a lot of sheet metal damage to his car and we see some big chunks of debris laying down on the apron of the racetrack and we are under caution this will be the seventh one of the day in the ARCA 200 here this morning, afternoon. What a tough break for some of those guys. Dick? Morning, kind of interesting thing. Billy Horton's car, uh, Horton's car just uh, uh, run out of gas. They, they uh, said it would do good on a flat, but up in a turn like that. When you get away up on a bank like that, if you've got your uh, pickup in the center of the tank, then all the fuel's over to one side, and they ran about three or four laps real slow that way, or a couple laps real slow that way, and when he got ready to go, it just didn't have enough fuel to go, and then when it finally flattened out, well, he picked it up, and away he went, but uh, that's something. They were cutting it pretty close. So. Uh, Jimmy did stop on lap 22 uh, and, and took on... Uh that would still be way over 100 way miles. Way early, yeah, way over 100 miles, and I guess he felt he could stretch it from that point, but just uh, couldn't quite do it. Well, they said he could do it. Uh, when I talked to him earlier, they said they didn't have to stop and they could make it all the way, and they're going to make it all the way all right. They just can't run up to speed in a bank like that. So the white and the caution for Ben Hess 
with Bobby Bowser second, Kerry Teague third, Ben Hess, who first appeared in ARCA back in 1987, won this race in 1989, came back with a win at the very next race in Atlanta, and he has been a tough man to handle since then. A year ago, he won the pole at Michigan for the ARCA series. He finished at third place at Talladega, so Ben Hess of Mooresville, North Carolina, will pick up his second ARCA 200 win here at Daytona this afternoon. And what a finish and what a race. And that will just about conclude it here. 79 laps are on the board, but they will finish this race under caution. Again, young Ben Hess pulling out the victory as he will get it with the yellow flag. We're kind of sitting here, and I guess we're all racing fans. We kind of said that's too bad. Not that Ben Hess won. I'm, we're saying it's too bad it didn't end under uh, green because that was going to be uh, one whale of a finish because uh, Bowser's car was, was there. Jimmy Horton may not have been a factor, as it turned out, because of uh, the fuel pickup. Uh, but uh, Kerry Teague was there as well, and it would have been a, uh, an outstanding finish. But Ben Hess takes it under caution, and it will show up in the W column any way you cut it. So Ben Hess will win the race. Bobby Boucher will finish second. Kerry Teague, as you pointed out, uh, he's going to be pumped higher than a kite tonight. Coming up with a third-place finish, first time here at Daytona. Jimmy Horton will be credited with a fourth-place run. Joe Nimrowski will finish fifth, sixth, Roy Payne. And unofficially, Scott Hansen round out the top seven. And that's all we have from timing and scoring right now with the ARCA officials. Kind of reminds you of when Glenn Sears won this race a few years ago. The youngster from Apex, North Carolina, who had a dirt track engine in the car and said when you close the hood, the engine doesn't know where it is. And uh, that was his visit to Daytona. In this case, Kerry Teague will finish third but with a super run. And here are the checkered and caution flags together for Ben Hess, the Ohio driver who's moved to North Carolina. He'll get the win over Bobby Bowser, who has run uh, certainly one of the races of his career here at the World Center of racing this afternoon. And to update you on Carl Miscotton's car, it has gone to pit road. He is out of the machine and it will not be on the racetrack at the finish here after getting quite a bit of damage, getting shoved into the wall on that restart just a moment ago. Some of the ARCA teams already assembling down at the Unical gas pumps. Let's go down and see if we can get a comment from one of the top finishers. Bobby Bowser is still sitting in his Ford. Bobby had a great run out there today, just not quite enough to get around Ben. No, it wasn't quite enough. I tell you, I was trying there at the end. You know, I want this thing so bad. After last year running up in the front and had a flat tire, you know, I wanted this one bad, and I was trying my hardest. Bobby, how about that restart when Jimmy Horton didn't get up to speed and then the last lap? That was mighty exciting. Well, you know, they slowed up, and I hit Ben just a little bit, and I, I thought, well, I was going to get underneath there and go on, but it didn't work out, and then uh, had a little vibration there on that last lap. I thought maybe it had a right front flat, but I held in there. Bobby Bowser brings his forward home in second this afternoon. A good run for him. He did have a very good run, and I think maybe his luck on super speedways will be changing in 1991. And this is only his third full year of racing. He had a couple of wins on short tracks last year. The name Bowser's been around forever, as you mentioned earlier, because of his dad. But this is Bobby's third full year, so he's uh, awfully close to winning here at Daytona. Meanwhile, in victory lane, Ben Hess is visiting that hallowed piece of property for the second time in his career. Let's go down to victory lane. 26-year-old Ben Hess, uh, Ohio native, now lives in Mooresville, North Carolina. Ben, in 1989, you pulled it off, and again today, you're the winner of the ARCA 200. Congratulations. Well, I tell you, you talk about a hill to climb. We had to climb a hill. We didn't rent this car till last Sunday. Didn't see it till Sunday morning. It didn't have nothing off it. I want to thank some people at the 37 car, the Target people. They let us use this thing. My crew, Lee Leslie, Scott Simpson, Butch, Carl, Steve, all them guys. Hank Jones with Sports Image, Salem National Lease, 
related ventures. I tell you, I just can't stop naming Goodyear Tire. They gave me a heck of a radio tire. I just couldn't ask for a better car. And I tell you what, I think my crew did a hell of a job for not seeing this car two days prior before we got here. This really has to make you feel good, too, in the fact that, uh, well, one thing, you've got a flat tire on the left rear there. And another thing, you've been flipping back from division to division the last couple of years. And to win this uh, race here at Daytona has to make you feel mighty proud. Well, I tell you what, there's a lot of people out there. They gave me a heck of a hill to climb in. I've got to go take care of some problems, but hopefully we'll get back down here this year and get going good. And, you know, we got a left rear flat, and I picked up a vibration about 20 laps to go. These radio tires are a little hard to tell, but I tell you, the crew just kept telling me to keep on digging, and I just kept digging. And this wins for them and everybody over there in Desert Storm. You had a couple of uh, close calls there at the start-finish line. Uh, tell us about the first one there when uh, you came up on a slower car right behind Jimmy Horton. Yeah, it got a little tight there. Uh, the lap car was as low as he could get and just ran out of room. Jimmy didn't do nothing I wouldn't have done. And then on that second restart, I don't know what happened. Jimmy just didn't go, and I slowed, and Bowser got into me. I hate that happened, but uh, like I said, Horton slowed in front of me and didn't, caught me by surprise, and I'm just glad to be here. Ben Hess, the winner of the ARCA 200 here at Daytona. Good hard run for Ben Hess. Pays off with a win in the ARCA 200 this afternoon. Let's go back down to the gas pumps and see if we can catch a couple of more top finishers. Well, I got Jimmy Horton here. Jimmy's, uh, well, you know, what can you say? Everybody knew you was here anyway. Uh, it looked good on paper, what we were going to do, and it worked. You know, we had what we wanted to do down. We were leading race, and, you know, I felt like we had the fastest car. We, we loosened it up a little bit, and Ben and them started jumping around behind me, and the car just started moving around. You know, I felt the last three laps, we, we ran out of gas on the bank, and if I could have got to the flat and kept some gas in the motor, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have got us. You know, we, we had a good restart jump on them. You know, the car was good. The crew did a good job. I, you know, I just called the shot of gas into, you know, a couple laps too early. Move me next time, right? Well, the thing worked all right, though. If you hadn't have uh, hadn't been for the caution, you'd have been all right? Oh, yeah, we'd have been all right because it kept momentum up and kept the gas on that side of the tank. You know, Jim Ruggles did a fine job with a V6. We're the, you know, one of two V6s out there. We qualified it outside the row and run up front all day. Miles Concrete's behind us. Who's your tire? And Davis Distributors. You know, they just keep plugging away. and just, we, We're going to make it in Winston Cup one day. You watch. Well, I'm sure you will. Good luck to you. Thanks. Thoughts of Jimmy Horton, certainly a uh, deserving man for a Winston Cup ride if one materializes. Then there's another fellow who, after winning the sportsman race at Charlotte, last spring shows up here and says let's give it a try and he comes home with a third place finish in the arc of 200 winston kelly is with kerry teague first time ever here at daytona kerry teague out of concord north carolina outstanding run well i'll tell you what i owe a lot of hell, a lot of gratitude to red dog to red dog and and uh, mickey gibbs my crew chief they all done a good job red dog the man he's talking about buddy barnes who works for the mickey gibbs team Kerry, your impressions of Daytona the first time here? I love it. I, I can't wait to come back. Uh, these guys, they they, they kind of walked me through it, told me to stay out of trouble and just draft with somebody. And I was, I was hollering, she's driving like a Cadillac. Let's go. How about those last few laps when Jimmy Horton didn't come up to speed? It got awful exciting out there. Yeah, Jimmy didn't come up to speed, and everybody started ducking to the outside. And uh, the car behind me running in the back of me, he got all squirrely. And uh, everybody was on the radio hollering, just go as hard as I could. And we ran down the corner behind the 21. He got loose, and I tried to get by him and just couldn't do it. How about the plans for the rest of the 1991 season? I don't know. We're going to walk right over here to the garage here, and me and my guys, we're going to start talking for the next race. We'll see. 
I tell you, there can't be anybody here as happy as Kerry Teague. Maybe Ben Hess, but Kerry Teague comes to Daytona first time ever and finishes in third. We look to hear a lot from this name throughout 1991 and in the future. Boy, seems to have an awful lot of driving talent to come here and adapt to Daytona the way he did today. We may see him full-time in one of these rides, or at least a Bush Grand National car, in the coming year. Take a look at the finish, That what we have from timing and scoring here. Ben Hess, the winner. Bobby Boucher will finish second. Kerry Teague runs third. Jimmy Horton, fourth. Joe Nimrosky finishes fifth. Sixth to Roy Payne. Scott Hansen, seventh. Ken Reagan, eighth. Keith Wade, credited with a ninth-place finish. Dorsey Schrader finishes tenth. Eleventh to Bob Dodder. Twelfth goes to Bobby Gerhardt. Dale McDowell will finish 13th, 14th, Glenn Brewer, and 15th, Bobby Woods. 16th, Bill Venturini. Uh, Doc Watson will finish in 17th position. And Graham Taylor, who started last and was up as high as second and third a couple of times, is credited with an 18th place finish. Cecil Eunice, 19th, and Patty Semko-Shack on making her return to ARCA Racing. Not a bad run for her. Finishes 20th. She does finish 20th. 21st will be Chris Gerke. David Boggs, 22nd. 23rd is Carl Miscotton. Billy Thomas finishes 24th. Finishing in the 25th spot is Mark Thompson. 26th is Donnie Moran. Tim Hepler finishes 27th. 28th, Jerry Hill. 29th is Bob Keselowski. And 30th is Rusty Johnson. 31st looks like uh, Mark Gibson. 32nd, Dave Weltmeyer. Billy Simmons finishes 33rd. John Stradman finishes 34th. David Simcoe, 35th. Ron Burchett finishes 36th. Jerry Cook, 37th. Charlie Glotzback, 38th. Mike Davis, 39th. Bob Brevac, the ARCA champion for 1990, finishes 40th. Farrell Harris, 41st. And Red Farmer, who had one of the accidents real early, goes out and finishes 42nd. So that's the rundown. We have it unofficially from timing and scoring. And our next race broadcast will be on Thursday at 12 noon Eastern time with our coverage of the Gatorade Twin 125s and tell you something, by virtue of yesterday's qualifying, Barney, uh, granted only three fellows were at 195 or better, but everybody else is bunched at either 194 or 193 in the qualifying to get into the Daytona 500, which we see here on Thursday is going to be something to watch. Yeah, quickly before we leave the air, in case you didn't hear about the qualifying yesterday, Davey Allison picked up the pole for the Daytona 500 by STP Ernie Irvin, qualifies outside front row, and those are the only two spots now that are locked in, definitely no exact where they'll start in the Daytona 500. Everyone else will get their starting spots from how they qualify in the Gatorade Twin 125s on Thursday. Harry Gant had third best speed yesterday, however. Sterling Marlin fourth, Rick Mass fifth, Dale Earnhardt sixth, Ricky Rudd seventh, eighth was Ken Schrader, Mark Martin ninth, and Alan Kowicki rounded out the fastest top ten speeds in qualifying. But from there on back, uh, well, uh, actually as close as you said, only three cars at the 195, but everybody else very close together right on up through the field. It's going to be great to see. Of course, if you were not with us earlier today, Three teams that had planned to use their Bush Clash car in the Daytona 500 by STP had those cars involved in accidents during the Clash, so they will have to go to backup cars. Only uh, Derek Cope, who had a specific car for the Clash and lost it in the race today, uh, will be able to go to a planned second car for the rest of the week. So that's another story built in to Speed Weeks 1991. Our next broadcast will be Tuesday evening, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. We've got NASCAR Live for you. Richard Petty will be along, as will Harry Melling, car owner for Bill Elliott's Ford. And then Thursday afternoon, 12 noon Eastern time, the Gatorade Twin 125s. We want to thank Joe Moore, Alan Bestwick, and Fred Armstrong, who covered the action of the turns today. Our pit coverage was from Dick Brooks, Jim Phillips, and Winston Kelly. Martha Oliver and Augusta Johnson are back on the scoring loop here in 1991. Great to have them with us again. Our production assistants are Ted Stone and Ed Lurie. 
through. For Barney Hall, I'm Eli Gold. We thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Again, our congratulations to Dale Earnhardt, winner of the Bush Clash, Ben Hess, the winner of the ARCA 200, and until Tuesday evening at 7 when we talk to you next with NASCAR Live. For all of us here at Daytona Beach, Florida, so long, everybody. Motor Racing Network Classics is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina. Remember to visit MRN.com for all the latest news and information. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.